Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Four receivers on here on third and ten. Morton all kinds of time to the end zone. And a touchdown hauled in by Loic Fungi. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Schlee's going to run it again, and the speed of College Schlee down the sideline to the 15 and all the way inside the 10, finally tackled by Shea Oladipo to save a touchdown. For now, it's going to be first and goal, UCLA. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Hunt sheds two tackles. Are you serious with this guy? He's in again. His fifth touchdown today. Ricky Hunt going nuts in Myrtle Beach. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Fourth and what feels like the ball game. Here's the blitz. Webb, downfield, touchdown, Perry Carter. And now the question, do you kick or do you go for the lead? 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Mikey Keene, 12 for 12. Passing goes to the end zone. A laser caught by Jalen Gill for a touchdown. How about Mikey Keene? He can't miss. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. And here we go on 365 Sports on a wet, drizzly, damp Thursday afternoon where we are and maybe where you are, too. We have a show that is loaded. We're going to hear in just a moment from Baylor quarterback Daquan Finn. We'll also hear from someone that he knows very well and knows him. In former Michigan quarterback uh, Devin Gardner, Dan Wetzel, 
Uh, SM, Kassam on Florida State, the story today that FSU is trying to look with a board meeting tomorrow to get out of that ACC grant of rights. And speaking of that, Bob Thompson will join us. Zach Barnett, footballscoop.com. Craig Smoke, I'm David Smoke, and thank you for your time today. And we are joined on 365 Sports by Baylor quarterback Daquan Finn right here on this Thursday afternoon. Daquan, thank you so much for your time. When I say Baylor quarterback Daquan Finn, what does that mean to you? <laughs> you know, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, it's, it's a new ring tone. It's a new ring to it. You know, I have got to get used to it, but, you know, it feels good. And I can, you know, uh, finally, you know, find a place called home. So, What has this process been like for you and with the transfer portal? And, and eventually you make the decision. You announced your commitment on Sunday evening. What has this been like since you entered the portal? Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not kind of, I'm very thankful for, you know, our schools that have been, you know, reached out to me and stuff like that. Um, it's been, it's been a process for sure, you know, just, you know, just seeing numbers, random numbers, call your phone every single minute of the day. It's kind of like, all right, who is this? You know, you don't know if it's a coach or just, you know, you don't know what it is, but, um, you know, it's been kind of, you know, it's been good so far and I'm just thankful I finally, you know, found a place called home, so. Daquan, how did this portal experience, I know it wasn't long-lasting, it wasn't like, you know, a whole year or anything like that, but how did that compare to your original recruiting uh, experience that, that led you to college football originally and uh, just kind of, uh, you know, what led you to, to Baylor ultimately as well? What was it about them? Yeah, um, it's very different, you know, from high school to now. You know, I kind of wasn't that, you know, that recruited guy, you know, coming out of high school, kind of underrated guy, but now, you know, being in the transfer portal, and it just gave you a whole different horizon of, you know, a different perspective on certain things as far as the recruitment process goes. But, um, you know, I feel as though Baylor was the right fit for me. Um, I feel as though it's the, the atmosphere was just, I just, I just felt like home as soon as I stepped foot on campus, you know, uh, just being with coach, um, seeing Coach Aronde, just seeing Coach Favreau, just seeing all the coaching staff, just seeing the whole coaching staff and just seeing, you know, the hospitality that, that they gave me, you know, just being there just felt like, you know, like a home, a home vibe. And I can really, I can, you know, very much see myself at Baylor. So, How would you describe, if you could, in a word or even in a sentence, your time and your thoughts on Dave Aranda? Smart, I'll say that for sure. Uh, you know, we talk ball. He knows what he's talking about. You can tell by his approach. You can tell by the dialect and his voice and cadence. Uh, you can tell that he's very serious about ball. And I'm sure the whole city of uh, Waco is too. You know, um, as far as you know how that goes. You can tell they want to win. You can tell. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his demeanor. You can see it in everyone else's face and demeanor. You can just tell his seriousness. For the love of the game, man, that's one thing I'll describe. That's one thing I'll describe, you know, for Coach Randy. So. Dequan, how have you grown as a player uh, in your time in college thus far compared to, to when you came out in high school originally? And for those who haven't seen a lot of you playing or Toledo playing, uh, what would you kind of give as a scouting report of yourself? Um, I'll say exciting football. You know, uh, I describe myself as, you know, a, 
a complete quarterback, you know, uh, being at Toledo allowed me, you know, uh, develop my ability to complete, to, to allow my ability to, to help myself be a complete quarterback, you know, as far as, you know, everybody knew I was, you know, known for, you know, when a pocket, when a play break down, I could just use my legs and escape out of problems. But now being able to two-time the defense with my arm and my legs, so it's kind of like two for one. And, you know, it just it just keeps the defense on their toes and it just allows me to have more freedom and play like myself, you know, at this level. So I'll say one word to describe me is exciting, so. Yeah, you, you obviously, as a dual threat, we, I've seen videos. Everybody has seen some of the highlights when you were at Toledo, what you could do throwing the football to your receivers. Uh, when you have that kind of ability to run, was that something, as you kind of mentioned that, but is that something that if all hell broke loose, you could just run? But now when there's just confusion or chaos or th- something breaks down, you're just as comfortable as throwing the football to one of your receivers? Yeah, absolutely. And now I kind of feel as though it's more of just, you know, extending plays now, you know, as far as, you know, my running ability. Um, I kind of see it as a plus, you know, just being able, like I said, playing enough football to know when to run, when not to run, when to throw it, when not to throw it, when to take certain hits and when not to take certain hits. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, just playing those type of games just allowed me, you know, just feel the game better out. And just being able to, you know, like I said, play more free because now it, I'm I'm not running just to run now. It's more like just to extend the play now. You see, like a lot of quarterbacks in the league, or just I'm not even comparing myself, but just just for an example, like for instance, like Pat Mahomes. Like you see, for instance, like when a pack pocket breaks down, you see him extend the plays with his legs and being and allows him to you know use his arms to find find more receivers open things and that nature. So, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't want to compare myself, but I'm just using that as a reference. But you know. Just being able to, like I said, two times to the defense is, like I said, is very helpful. So. Nicole, we talked about, you know, Aranda and Spavitol. There's obviously a lot of quarterbacks out there in the transfer portal, just a lot of players in general, a lot of different schools coming after you. Um, you talked about what made sense for you and Baylor, but what was Baylor's message to you, whether it was Coach Spavitol or Coach Aranda? Why did they say that they wanted you in particular, and what was it about you and your game that they want to transfer over? What did they say they kind of want to see from you here in Waco? Yeah, uh, you know, I was a, you know, a great person first and great player second, and that's one thing I kind of you know took. It stuck out in me for Coach uh, Randall because you know, a lot of guys they'll just, I'm not calling nobody out, but uh, you know, it's just it's player first, person second, and you know, he called, he emphasized the person, a good person with a good person that take care of things off the field will allow you to, you know, trans- it'll translate on the field. And that's one thing I kind of took away from Coach Aranda. And, um, you know, Coach Battle, it just, like I said, he, his, but like with the quarterback he had and allowing them, you know, you know, just kind of play not free football, but the numbers that they put up is kind of like it's video game numbers, like Geno Smith, Will Greer, Johnny Manziel, like just to name a few, David Webb, like those guys, you know, I could see myself in this type of offense, you know, just being that type of, electrifying guy that can help, you know, help the team win because that's one thing, you know, co- the coaches noticed about me. They said, you're a true winner, and that's one thing I, I am. I, I see myself as just a winner because I hate to lose, you know. You know, a lot of people hate to lose, but, you know, it's just a different, like I said, it's just a different feel with me, you know, 
like I said, the the, the resume speaks for itself. But like I don't I don't like losing. And that's one thing you know the coaches really mentioned for real. So state championships in high school, obviously a MAC championship. What you were named as the pl- player of the year and all of that. When you came out of high school, you weren't the dog. You were good, and you had a heck of a career coming out of where you were in Detroit. But you, as you said, even that, that it, not quite many people knew much about you. And maybe at times, I I was told that your personality was good, but that you were kind of so quiet, reserved that maybe some schools backed off because they wanted you to be an alpha personality. Is that also something that you've grown into doing over these four years at Toledo? Uh, that's kind of funny you say that. Um. Yeah, you know, I am a quiet guy, kind of reserved guy, but also, you know, uh, you know, everyone leads differently, and everyone, you know, sets an example a different way. You know, you might have some guys that lead by example, and then when it's time to say something, you know, the voice, the, the team will listen to you, of course, and they your words do mean a lot, and it holds a lot of weight. And I feel as though that's kind of like how it was with me, you know. I wasn't going to say too much because I was going to say – I was going to say – the right thing at the right time when it's when it's time for the team to hear what I have to say. But being at Toledo, it allowed me to open up more, allowed me to be, become, you know, open up my personality more, become myself more. And, you know, now it's more of, you know, just, like I said, just being comfortable in my own skin and mm-hmm. just allowed me to open up more, being more vocal, you know, talk to guys that I wasn't normally, that I wouldn't normally talk to and just opening up those type of relationships and those connections that that's going to allow, you know, me to, you know, be closer and build that, that chemistry and bond closer with my teammates. But, um, yeah, I, I was for say, well, I was I was quiet for sure when I was young. I'm not going to lie, but uh, now, like I said, I opened up way more now. I was almost completely different now. Quad, where'd your love for the game of football come from and grow from? Uh, how did that just sort of intertwining of football and, and your life kind of all come together and, and get to this point now? Yeah, um, you know my family is a my family is a, a heavy football family. Um, you know my mom, my uh, my dad. You know, put the ball in my crib when I was what three months, three months. Hmm. So it's kind of like it's been destined for me. You know, for since a young pup. So, um, and like I said, I love especially playing quarterback. I played quarterback what, at the age of seven, eight years old. You know, just watching a lot of, you know, Michael Vick and Cam Noon growing up. So it's just kind of been like that. And there's just been sky's been the limit. So. so I heard you're your mother's son. What does that mean? Yes, sir. I ain't going to lie. I'm a, uh, I'm a mama's boy. So, yeah, that's my life. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That, yeah, I, I heard that there's no doubt. Uh, Kia, is that your mother's name? Is that correct? Lakaya. Lakaya, I'm sorry, that uh, you are your mother's son. Now, how much has former Michigan quarterback Devin Gardner, who I spoke with a little bit today, we're going to have part of an interview with him about you, about Baylor, uh, and about football a little bit later in the show, how much he's known you for, what, six, seven, eight years since you were 15 years old or so, how much of a role model and mentor has he meant to your life? Huge mentor to me. Uh, I kind of look at him as a bigger brother, you know, as far as just talking to him. You know, he's been in a situation, uh, you know, been in a situation before at, at a high a high level. So it's kind of like just paying my respect and just really just soaking up as much game as I can 
from him, you know, I'm kind of like a sponge when, when, it, when it goes to uh, Devin because, like I said, he's seen a lot. He's been through a lot, and he knows the right and the wrong throughout the, the whole situation. He knows how to maneuver away in a way. So it's just kind of like, you know, anything he say, I'm going to listen. And he helped me develop, you know, tremendously from, you know, just being more balanced in my uh, with my throws, not leaning, just staying more uh, vertical, staying more forward with my throws and things of that nature and having that more spin and velocity and pop when I throw the ball. It, it just helps a lot. And I can see it in my in my throwing. I can see it in my play. And it allows me to be more confident on the field as well. So. You said every time someone either called you or texted you once you entered the portal that it was like bam, 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 whichever direction. Did you sometimes just turn your phone off and just try to enjoy life? <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. I'm not going to hold you. Yeah, it was some points where, you know, uh, I had to put my phone on, do not disturb. But because it was like, like I said, it was, I get phone calls like every, like, you know, every 30 minutes. So it was kind of like exhausting at a certain point of time. So I had to just, you know, put my phone on D&D, just, you know, just take some time to myself and just kind of, you know, get my mind, clear my mind and just breathe a little, you know, so. What was it like, Daquan, when you moved to Toledo and you weren't, like I mentioned earlier, you weren't the guy on campus for someone who had been so highly decorated in high school in Detroit that you were, and like championship level caliber. But when you got there, you weren't. How much did you learn about yourself at that time that things just, that you had to work for it even more? Yeah, um, it definitely was a reality check. But um, like I said, but that's the adversity that you know you got to go through. You know, as a young guy, just getting just getting acclimated to the college speed and college life. So um, you know, once I heard I didn't want to start a job, you know, I just I use that as motivation. I use that as extra fuel. So there was times I grab some of the young receivers and we would just go um, in the indoor, you know, late at night, or eleven o'clock stuff like that. Just getting those type of throws. And then that was like on a consistent basis, though. That wasn't like just here and there. That was every day. I get like one of my roommates, he was my receiver, and that was like my best friend. So anytime we got the chance to go on the field, we had the opportunity. Like it was sometimes we had to sneak in the indoor, you know, just to, just to throw around, just to throw the ball. But that's how hungry I was for the, for the game. And that's how hungry I was to, you know, just the, the need of getting better. Because like I said, ain't, ain't nobody perfect in this world. And I want, I want to make sure I'm the the best, that, like I said, overall complete quarterback there is in the country. And, you know, that's, nobody's going to stop me from that. And like I said, just being able to – the hard work, I said, really separated myself from anybody else at Toledo. And, it, and, it, and it, like I said, it spoke for itself. And like I said, it's just um, – It's just good to see, you know, your hard work start to get, you know, recognized and stuff like that. So Baylor does have a quarterback room with Sawyer Robertson, who came in from Mississippi State, R.J. Martinez, who was from northern Arizona. They're on the roster now. On your visit, did you get a chance to see them, visit with them, talk to them at all? And your thoughts about this offense, as you mentioned, with Jake Spavital and the quarterback room in the competition? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to speak with them. I think they were uh, wrapping up finals mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think they went home, I think, prior the days before I even got there. But 
you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, me and everyone, you know, just earn everyone respect in the whole in the whole team and just, you know, just just building that bond and that chemistry within the quarterback room so it could be a healthy quarterback room in there, you know, animosity. And I'm just looking forward to, you know, learning from those guys and, you know, just really and just competing. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, who is Musa El Mubarak? Oh, Musa El Mubarak. Yeah, yeah. Tell <laughs> everybody uh, about the story about your relationship. He's an eight-year-old. He's a part of Devin Gardner's camps, but you have a special. Seemed like a pretty good uh, conversation or a rapport with him about him telling you something or vice versa as you have fun with those kids as they're trying to learn how to play the game. Yeah, Musa is a special one. Um, you know, I'm, I seen him when he was, you know, probably like five years old, barely know how to throw a football and stuff like that, and just seeing his development and his growth, it's 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 crazy to see that. But um, you know, Musa, he's a good, he's a a great young kid that has, you know, the sky's the limit for him. He's always smiling, you know. So that's kind of like that's his personality. He's gonna be the the smile of big little kids. So every time you see him, it just it just brings you joy and just smiles and just you know you just know you're gonna have a good time with him. And um, you know Musa, he's like like I said, a little like a little brother to me. So it's kind of like you know I have to like show him the way, show him the way of like how to do it the right way. You know what I'm saying? So just seeing him, you know, doing his thing, it's kind of like extra motivation to me and the rest of the kids that uh. That's part of our. That's a part of young go getters. You know, just seeing those guys smiling every time I come up back home, and just ask, just seeing them. How how is it, DQ? How is cause like just them asking those questions? Kind of like, yeah, man, I gotta I gotta do better for those guys. So you know, it's it's just a real moment. I'm just you know just thankful and happy I had for my life. So. Yeah, and I heard he's as excited as the kids are when you started beating Devin in those quarterback-type uh, battles you had, those quarterback-type <laughs> games uh, that, that lit up everybody. Uh, you have now a few days to rest and enjoy the Christmas holidays, um, and, and then eventually you arrive on campus. What do you get a chance to do now? Is it just chill but keep working out, focused on getting here to Waco and getting ready for the football season or at least spring drills in a, in a few months? Yeah, now I'm at home. I'm just, like, like you said, I'm working. Um, just really just waiting for that day for real so it's kind of like I got some all time but now I got my school now so it's back to work really so did you know that Devin Gardner wore jersey number 98 when he played quarterback if you were 98 at quarterback you know you gotta be pretty good right <laughs> yeah actually I grew up watching him and just, I was like why are you at number 98 on and then at first and then you know he just seeing the the meaning behind the number ninety eight, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This guy's like that. So then, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's pretty special. Just seeing you know having a guy like that around me every single day. So. My last question for you: Baylor obviously did not have a very good season. There's a reason why there were changes and why they're also looking for people to come on the roster to help them do better. I know you watched a lot of film of Jake Spavital's offenses and what Baylor did as well. When you committed on Sunday, did you realize, with all due respect to anybody else in the roster or whoever is signed this week, what a breath of uh, energy or so to, that you you shot into the fan base when you announced your commitment? Do you even realize that? Oh, um, at first I kind of didn't know until like I really started to see like, oh, uh, like it's 
it's really starting to get real now. So, uh, <laughs> um, no, I was kind of surprised just seeing just seeing that, you know, you know, seeing my commitment blow up like that. But I mean, not kind of surprised, but I was surprised, like as far as far as like the fan base, you know, as far as everyone just blowing up and just saying, you know, great things and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, it's more motivation when you see things like that, and it just brings you more, you know confidence going into heading into another team's school like that so it's, it's very exciting i'm excited so they are too daquan thanks for your time i know it's been a, a a long journey from detroit to toledo and now you're headed to central texas around the corner we appreciate your time congratulations on your commitment and we hope to talk to you again very soon Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's Daquan Finn. Devin Gardner had a chance to visit with him. We'll have that at 430 on his thoughts about Daquan Finn and Baylor and what he saw uh, as well when it comes to being on tape. Now, uh, Garrett, today, this morning, we wake up to the news. And if you'll recall, two or three weeks ago, I mentioned that somebody within administrations at the college level, more than one, Multiple told me that Florida State was going to have one more flare-up before the end of the year. And then you wake up to this news from Matt Fortuna that Florida State has called a virtual Board of Trustees meeting for 10 a.m. on Friday. Ross Dellinger, among others, followed up with this. The meeting, of course, the Board of Trustees will discuss the Seminoles' conference future and the result of the meeting expected to produce a legal filing serving as an initial step to exit from the ACC's grant of rights, whether or not they can or not, or what they do, that remains to be seen. Dan Wessel wrote a great article on it. Also, Bob Thompson will join us at five, former Fox Sports executive, to discuss it. And we'll also have a writer from the Tallahassee Democrat. And Craig, the wheels of realignment never stop. Yeah, um, here we are again. And uh, I think just all happening a bit quicker than most anticipated. I mean, the Florida State being unhappy, rattling the cage, uh, expressing their intent to do something is nothing new. That's been going on for several months now. It's just a matter of when were they going to pop back up and start talking again. And, you know, I still don't understand the whole, well, it's the ACC's fault or the ACC is to blame for why we didn't get in the playoff. I mean, before you got left out of the playoff, you were already complaining about all the same things about the ACC to begin with. I don't know how that's really changed things except for, I guess, expedite it and, and start it on a path sooner uh, rather than a little bit later to go ahead and find their way out. But um, you could tell that that was just like an easy uh, final straw to be able to go ahead and just make this move. I, I think they probably would have made it even without that anyways, but uh, there was just a lot of noise around the, well, if they were in the SEC or the Big Ten, they wouldn't have been left out. Um, so, you know, now they've got yet another reason, along with the money, along with the exposure, along with, you know, the competitive balance and all of those things to uh, you really have a, a, an argument for uh, their fan base, for their board of trustees, for those who maybe aren't all in on exploring getting out. They I think have as much of an argument as you could possibly have to uh, show those folks why this needs to happen and why it needs to happen sooner rather than later. So, you know, here they are, and uh, now it looks like they're actually going to take some action of some sort uh, starting tomorrow. And this was pretty apparent that something was about to bust when you had a couple of articles come out yesterday. I mean, that was not a coincidence that Adrian Adelson's writing like a 10-page article on ESPN uh, about this entire situation, and I know that there were others, uh, Ross Dellinger and whoever else, that had similar types of articles that all just so happened to come out yesterday. Like, that's not coincidental. Nope. All of these things are leaked. 
and and done methodically by certain people involved in in stories and so timing is uh is you know certainly not suspect it's, it's you know the timing is uh was obvious uh, with yesterday's news that something was about to the bubble over and you had mentioned this last week after talking to some folks so yeah here we are and you know the big move for Florida State and perhaps others eventually to leave the ACC for their own OU Texas or USC Oregon Washington UCLA type of move um, is go moving forward uh, one step at a time but it's moving forward and we'll see how many steps are taken tomorrow but at least one big one will be they're going to challenge the grant of rights here and and over these you know next few weeks months and see what kind of a what kind of a you know decision they can come to what kind of a a result they can get and you know they're going to do everything in their power to try and figure out a way out of the ACC with as least damage as possible and I don't know I'm not a legal expert I see a lot of legal experts that don't even have all of this down because it's just so complicated in, in some ways and it's unprecedented in in some ways probably what we're about to wade into when you think about a school that's not on the edge of their contract with the TV network ending this is something that still has a decade plus left on it so how does all of that work a lot of people, a lot of speculation uh, over these last few months and really since OU Texas and then especially with uh, USC and UCLA and eventually Oregon Washington and all sorts of other moves that occurred after that. I mean, this has been percolating for a while. Florida State's not hid their feelings. And nope. uh, now, you know, it's just out there in the open that they're going to be, you know, taking a step to go and fight this even more. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But there's obviously a lot of ramifications that spread all over the country. I saw Brett McMurphy talk about, like, Oppenheimer-like uh, mm-hmm. results, and uh, yeah, I mean that's he's going to join us tomorrow. Fitting. By the way, yeah, yeah but this is uh, this is something that's been bubbling for a while, and so now it's about to start boiling here. Well, Essen Kasim writes for the Tallahassee Democrat. He's a writer who covers FSU. He's at practice, bowl practice. He's going to join us, and then Dan Wetzel. I thought and I shared it with Garrett and Craig. Wrote a simple and yet brilliant piece on Florida State. And are they going to be the cat or the dog that finally catches the car? Okay, and if they are, then what? And some great quotes, a couple of maybes and coulds and all that. He's going to join us today at 4. Bob Thompson on the legal parts of it today at 5. Craig Smoke, I'm David Smoke. This is 365 Sports. And Essen Kasim from the Tallahassee Democrat is next. Thank you for joining us, 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental Robinson, Texas. My dentist is Dr. Steve Childress, and he has been incredible for me. My, my mental health, sometimes, I, I don't like to use that too much, but how many times a bad, like a bad toothache, or you know you have a cavity, or you're going to have a root canal, or you got to get a tooth pulled, or you have to have something else done, how much does that affect your day? Man, it wears you out, just like maybe anything else in life that you have to deal with that's not perfect. And my dental work was fine, but it wasn't good enough and it wasn't something I took care of enough other than the yes you brushed your teeth a couple of times a day and you floss on occasion it's also what you're also like I used to have lozenges all of the time next to me traveling driving broadcasting doing the show it became a habit and only filled with a bunch of sugar and one time Dr. Childress asked me man why do you have some of this damage in your teeth and then I told him he goes well that's it it's like basically sucking sugar into your mouth all of the time. Got off of those. I've been off of them for a while. I'm serious. It was uh, something that was a habit. And then all of a sudden started the road back to healthy dental work from a crown that was put in to a root canal to lead to another one to making sure that my front bridge is fine 
to a cavity, getting that fixed, and still much more to do. Dr. Steve Childress, I trust him with every piece of my dental work and a great friend at Stonewood Dental in Robinson, Texas. Don't miss the wrap-up-the-year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. As the year comes to a close, we're offering unbeatable deals and a wide selection of new 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee, Grand Cherokee L, Renegade, Gladiator, Wrangler, and the Wrangler 4XE. In addition to incredible savings, we're also offering generous trade-in values for your current vehicle. Upgrade to a newer model while getting the most out of your trade-in. Hurry in. These deals won't last long. Shop our great selection of new inventory and start the new year in style. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over a thousand new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quickcrete, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. So then today you wake up and we showed you the uh, numbers, the tweets, uh, the speculation. And we have three different segments today about FSU, the ACC, the grant of rights, and what really can happen next, including Dan Wetzel at four, Bob Thompson at five, but Essen Kassim from the Tallahassee Democrat. We've had him on before, covers FSU, joins us 
on 365 Sports. So you're just kind of going about your business this morning, Essen, and all, all of a sudden, wham, did you see this coming? I, I kind of had an idea that something might happen before the end of the year. Did you see this coming as early as today? Um, we had a feeling it was coming. Um, it was just a matter of when it was, we were going to get the, the um, you know get the information that was going to come. It's been a rumor for the past week. We've been digging into trying to find out, and um, yeah, we got to practice this morning. Um, standing there, wait, um, at the beginning of practice, when they're doing your stretches, and all of a sudden we got an email from FSU Athletics, and it's like there's a board meeting, trusty tomorrow. So not a shock, but. One that we kind of saw coming for a while. And like you mentioned, before the end of the year, there's been a lot of talk around town about something coming up soon, and it just came up today. So, Essen, what does this uh, mean to you as opposed to, um, you know, previous discussions? So why, for those who haven't been following along, is this more of an important note than when FSU has rattled the cage uh, in previous months? Yeah, I mean, I think the um, college playoffs stuff um, – Definitely, I think being the ACC, which I think ironically Florida State dug their own you know grave a little bit in that, where they um, you know ripped the ACC before the season, and then kind of we're waiting where's Jim Phillips to stick up for us. But um, yeah, no, um, this is different. It just feels different. I think last time was just like we want to stir the cage a little bit. We want to let people make people feel uncomfortable. But this time, it definitely feels like you know they're not just going to try and stirring the cage this time. They, if, it, if they're doing something, they have to have a have plan, and that's what the, the spokesman they have some like at least some plan, something. I'm not 100 sure what it is, but I am sure they have something that they're going to bring up to the committee for a vote to, to their um, board of trustees for a vote to move forward. What it is, we we're not 100 percent sure. Is this a distraction among the team, or have they already had enough of that? Where this is no big deal. I mean. Um, it's no big deal. The team is focused on the game. That's the players that have not opted out and are not are, are in the portal that are there are focused on the game. So I think they are fine. They, it's just noise to them. It's like anything else. I think I don't. They're not bothered by it. They don't. They won't care about it until something comes out of it. So. Essen, how would you describe the the last few weeks just uh, around Tallahassee and amongst the uh, the people that you've encountered when it comes to the playoff snub? I mean, what was your reaction initially when you saw that on Selection Sunday, and just how has that kind of continued to go over here in the day since? Yeah, I mean, um, it was a uh, my I was shocked. Um, I honestly thought that you know undefeated teams should be in the playoff, especially one in a power five conference and one, you know, as big as the ACC. So I was a little shocked. I understand the four best teams argument. I just think the AC, if they, the, the committee did an awful job of trying to explain, because I could buy at least these are the four best teams, but then it doesn't make sense that Georgia's out. But yeah, that's besides the point. If, um, you know, but um, yeah, around town, people have been shocked. It's been a, you don't want to mention the words ESPN around um, town. <laughs> um, people are still mad about that. There's conspiracy theories going around. Um, just people are still angry. There's still a lot of um, you know unanswered questions. I think you've seen like you know Rick Scott and different politicians have got involved, and it's been a lot. It's interesting to see how upset people still are. Verse gone. Uh- 
Keon Coleman apparently is on his way to the NFL. Not a surprise. Obviously, Jordan Travis has been out. And yet they're still a very talented football team. Georgia's had a lot of their own. Hit the transfer portal, opt out too. Uh, it, it, a game that obviously two really good football teams that felt like they should have been a part of the playoff. What do you expect between these two when they play? I uh, I would take Georgia in the points. The difference right now, I, I just think that they have more depth to overcome the opt-outs. I don't. I'm. I know Carson Beck's back. That's a huge difference. Um, I have not heard the latest on Brock Bowers, but I just feel like Georgia still has more depth and is a team that could withstand a few more opt-outs and stuff than Florida State. But um, I expect Florida State to go out there and try and you know compete. Mike and Darvell teams rarely get blown out, but um, this could be one of the situations where Georgia just is a better team right now on paper. Is there an excitement level for this game? Do you sense that, or did the fact that the way this all went down and now all the attention being paid to to realignment, I would imagine, has that taken some of the air out of the balloon of of what would otherwise be playing a big-time opponent in a big-time game? No, I think there's some... It's definitely been taking a lot of wind out of the sail. I don't think... There's the interest that this Orange Bowl is um, is also somewhat a uh, uh, game that's been hurt by what's happened. I don't. I think there's um, there's a lot of just interest in this game from Georgia fans. Georgia fans expect to be in the playoffs. Obviously, every year they've done that. You know, winning 29 in the last 30 games. Meanwhile, Florida State fans are just. It's hard to like Mike Darvall talked to us yesterday um, or two days before practice, after practice, and you just mentioned it still hurts the it still hurts the players and um it's something they're still it's still fresh for them it's still fresh for the fans and i just don't see the same excitement excitement for this game that should be it's, a, it's an orange bowl game the 90th orange bowl you know florida state georgia it should be a fun game it should be you know a lot more exciting just it's been wiped out in tallahassee and across from seven old nations um seven old nation with fans i, I just don't sense the same excitement about this game that there would be there if you told them this would be a matchup last year at this time. Essen, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Essen Kassam with the Tallahassee Democrat with us on the story today about Florida State. Now, one of the two things you got to think about here when it comes to FSU, South Carolina has a team in the SEC. Florida has a team in the SEC. They don't want Clemson, and they don't want Florida State in the SEC. Whether or not... That's what's being said now until, as Dan Wessel reported, or at least wrote, it, you don't have interest until all of a sudden a team might be available. So that is something to think about. But let's talk about the turf war. Yet A&M thought they had sealed Texas, and now UT is a part of the SEC. That's going to be interesting. We'll have more with that involving Dan Wessel. Somebody, Roger, I think, said, so, oh, they want out of the ACC. What's new? This, I think, is going to be more of a true legal filing rather than just barking to hear somebody hear you bark. Yeah, and I, t- I totally understand that sentiment. I, I, I kind of wish this would have waited till after Christmas because it's like just all of this is uh, just about to explode right as everybody kind of goes on break. But uh, it'll give us something fun to come back to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a legit question of what's any different from their – you know, Drew Weatherford saying this, or this guy saying that, or this report saying this, um, but it's what he just said. It's that they're actually going to legally try to break that grant of rights or figure out how they can break that grant of rights, and they're legally going to challenge that grant of rights. And 
uh, try to find a way uh, to get what they want out of the uh, court system. So uh, that's the difference is one thing was talking. They're actually going to try to walk, I guess, is the most yep. simple way of putting it. They're actually going to try to walk now rather than just talk. But I, I hear you when uh, Florida State says, well, OK, well, OK, well, whatever. But now they're actually going to take some action. And, you know, all the signs are pointing to this uh, eventually. And especially, like I said yesterday, when you had a couple of different stories drop saying pretty much the same thing about how this was imminent. And, you know, here you are a day later. And, and in fact, that's what's happening. So uh, not totally unexpected. Um, there were little teasers throughout the last few days and even the last few weeks that, that something was probably coming. Even to you mentioning a couple weeks ago that, like, yeah, expect something before the end of the year. So here we are, and it's right before the end of the year, and we're going to go into Christmas break with uh, you know, this this news percolating. So, um, yeah, that's the difference. They're going to walk the walk rather than just talk the talk, and we'll see how successful they are with that. But there's obviously a spider web of ramifications. I mean, you mentioned the the SEC doesn't want this. We don't know what the SEC does or does not want. I mean, they, they can say what they want to say now, but it's like any other realignment move that was made over the last few years. What conferences, you know, say exactly what they're thinking all of the time? A lot of it is just defending um, the idea of, poaching and things like that so no we're not interested in Oregon Washington until Oregon and Washington are readily available for us to go and pick and then we're going to be really interested Big Ten um, you know the Big 12 was a little bit more out front and let it be known I think because they kind of had to do that to sort of stir the waters a little bit um, but yeah this is a, a situation where the SEC can just sit back and watch the chaos unfold I mean they're not going anywhere the team's interest in joining that league's not going anywhere same with the Big Ten so sit back uh enjoy your new leagues and their new teams that'll be coming in next year because this is obviously not something where next year florida states in the sec or the big 10 and playing football um there's a ways to go here but those leagues can sit back and just watch the destruction and whatever occurs and then uh swoop in when the timing is right and get what they want just like they did the last time like the big 10 wasn't trying to go get oregon and washington and you know and and uh and just those two, yeah, I was thinking UCLA, you see those before, but, you know, once the four corner school started to make their move, well, then guess who is suddenly ready to be there? This is the exact same thing, in my opinion. And the SEC is just in a position where, um, you know, they have been uh, a little bit more calm and calculated and a little bit more about the, well, we like the contiguous states and we like the, the grouping that we have. I'm sure you do until, you know, perhaps Florida State's there and available. Now, yes, there will be a, a Florida that perks up or a South Carolina that perks up with a Clemson, but did A&M not jump up and try to say something? And did that matter in the long run? I don't think it mattered at all. So, nope. you know, everything can be negotiated. Everything can be talked through, and especially when it's in the best interest of the league as a whole. So, um, yeah, that's that's to come, though. Like, first of all, Florida State's got to actually get out and be able to maneuver and, and get what they want, and that's going to be a legal battle that we're going to be monitoring. But uh, it is massive news, and uh, you've already seen, you know, the – the Big 12 mentions and all of that, um, as far as, you know, if the SEC or the Big 10 weren't interested, then the Big 12 would be there. Of course they would be there, but I'm not so sure it would get to that point, but we're a, we're probably a long way there. And then again, um, you know, there was a thought of mind that this type of move from Florida State until a couple weeks ago when you started talking about this, but uh, there was a thought that this might, or just more massive moves could be further down the line, and I think everybody is sort of, surprised by just how quickly all of this is happening. I mean, it's like it's like as soon as the football season ended basically, you know, 
regular season, it's like, here we go back to realignment, right? And and so that's probably going to take up, I would imagine, a good portion of the offseason. And, um, you know, good for us, good for uh, fans of realignment, but it is uh, going to well, be a complicated process. And here's what, it doesn't affect whoever's in the ACC only. It could affect the Big 12 in them if there is shrapnel. I mentioned that when I was discussing this a couple of weeks ago, but that is so far down the road. But we also thought that was so far down the road, and then there was Texas OU, USC, UCLA, and then the Pac-12 losing six schools, and now it's just two. And so, and then there's Stanford and Cal and SMU to the ACC. So shrapnel, you may not see it coming, and then all of a sudden it's right there in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, you just have to be on your, your toes. And unfortunately for the Pac-12, they were the one that was fat and happy and felt like they were untouchable. And it, even with the USC and UCLA moves, still felt even more that way. And I think everybody else had a little bit different, you know, idea of the future in mind. And, you know, they're – is what you saw uh, unfold over the last year uh, with the a uh, couple of years of the Pac-12 of just that that arrogance. I think at this point that's taught everybody else a lesson. Uh, if you can't sit back if you're the ACC and be like they're not going to be able to do any. I mean they've given you enough warnings at this point. The ACC would be stupid not to be you know on on level five alert here. But for anybody that at any conference that might be thinking oh well it's no big no you don't have to worry about that or this or that no I mean I think everybody is especially after this last go-round of realignment on, uh, on you know, pins and needles waiting for the next shoe to drop and, and preparing themselves to how to react to whatever that might be because who's, who's to say what that might be? But this is a big step forward in this next chapter of realignment that I guess will, will probably consume a lot of this offseason. And you're right. I mean, there's so many different parts of this. There's still Oregon State and Washington State that are sitting out there on an island figuring out what they're going to do. There's the Big 12, Big 10, all welcoming in new schools. ACC welcoming in new schools and now dealing with this. I mean, you imagine if you're Cal and Stanford and SMU of like, hey, we've got our spot. And now it's, yep. here's Florida State saying, well, not going to be our spot for much longer if the courts pan out the way that we would like them to. So, yeah, I, I keep you, I go, keep going back to spider web because that's just kind of how I view it. Or, or maybe even it's like broken glass, right, where it's just – in that turns into the spider web as well but it's just a big old pane of glass and there's one little crack and then well, it offshoots yeah. into various other areas you and this is what this a, is going to yeah, be you ever seen a ball hit a windshield yeah it doesn't always leave a hole but there's this massive spider web is and then all of a sudden sometimes it hits it hard enough well, where there's just broken glass everywhere and we've seen both we've seen both examples well then over time cold weather it spiders out even more and i think with every little move that's made and in, in these realignment conversations, I mean, there are effects that, you know, have uh, – they, they go on down the line that affect others. So, yeah, Florida State's decision is not just a Florida State decision. It's a decision that affects all the other schools that could be interested in leaving. It's a decision that affects the ACC. It's a, division, a decision that affects potentially every other conference, uh, major conference out there. And, um, yes, even the Big 12. So, um, this will be fascinating to watch. But, again, this is not a shock that Florida State's – uh, you know, making noise again. And it's not a shock that they're making a move because these last few days there's been plenty of teasers. Um, but it is uh, important, and it is going to have, uh, you know, major impact on college sports moving forward and college this, football. I think this happens even if they had been part of the semifinals. I do too. Like, this that's is not because they didn't make it. That would have just been one more, like, ah, like shot to the ribs. But I think this was coming no matter had they been included at 13-0 or, no or not. It was a convenient 
extra reason to go ahead and do what you were planning to do already. You know, when Drew Weatherford was out there this offseason, he's talking about how the ACC, you know, isn't for them anymore and they just can't compete and uh, they're not going to be able to compete at a level that Florida State should be able to compete at if they're in the ACC. Like, they let it be known, their unhappiness with the conference and then this rolls around, and it wasn't the ACC that decided that Alabama was the better football team. It was the college football playoff committee. But that's why I've kept saying, of like, why, what did the ACC do other than just not like years ago do revenue sharing so that Florida State was getting more money than everybody else or, you know, maybe not do the – like, I don't know what they could have done differently that would have made Florida State happy or North Carolina happier or no, anybody. No, they did could, everything they could right, that they, what was best for everybody right. in the so conference. My point is, but is that, time changes. My point is, is that they somehow are at fault for Florida State getting snubbed out of the playoff. You keep hearing that of like, oh, well, that's the final straw. It's like they had no part in that, unless somehow because they are not a bigger brand because the ACC is not a bigger brand. It's just a. It's very much a reach. The reason they got left out was clear. And the conference affiliation wasn't so much anti-ACC as it was pro-SEC, in my opinion. But point is, that was just a a thing to use as the final straw of like, all right, that's it. We, we just got snubbed, and it's because we're in the ACC and we're not in these two conferences. We've got to get out. And that's what it's being used as. Um, and so that's why you're seeing that, uh, you know, now being – the, the final straw that's led them to this decision that was probably coming anyways. We uh, will hear more that A&M has a new defensive coordinator. His story about leaving Florida the day after National Signing Day and what a parent had to say about it. Also, uh, a little bit of an interesting story on Jeremiah Smith, who signed the receiver out of Chaminade Madonna High School in Miami and NIL paperwork. That plus Texas yesterday evening flipped an A&M who thought or was committed to Texas A&M. G.J. Kinney, a new contract, all of that still to get to. But thanks to Daquan Finn, Baylor's newest quarterback in the quarterback room from Toledo, and also thanks to Esam Kasim from the Tallahassee Democrat. Coming up next, Dan Wessel. When I reached out to him earlier today about his column, he also said he knows a little bit about Daquan Finn because he's out of Detroit, so we might even ask him a question about the newest Baylor quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we're a little bit early for for Dan, so I might as well pass this along as well. Unless at four, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he's got six minutes. So I was going to pass along in the talking about. Um, well, we have a commercial break. Is it six minutes? Okay, go ahead. No, so, no, go ahead and finish it out. We're good. Now that you said it. No, uh, there was talk from Kendall Rogers of D one baseball that uh, Oregon State and Washington State are exploring their options when it comes to baseball, and uh, there could be some smoke there with the Big Twelve. So. Crazy to imagine that you'd have three different conferences handling all of your sports, potentially, if that were to work out that way. And that's an if, but uh, that was something that dropped uh, just a little while ago uh, mm-hmm. this afternoon. Uh, through Though Beaver Baseball, Washington State have 30 days to let the WCC know if they're joining for baseball. The goal and preference would be for both to jointly join a power conference such as the Big 12 versus going independent, but nothing will be sorted out until that Supreme Court case in Washington is done. And I guess he, somebody pointed out of like, well, didn't that kind of wrap up last week? But he mentioned in the comment of there being some more red tape to work through, I guess, before you can clear that hurdle. Um, but there's another little tentacle of, you know, this realignment and uh, the two out west trying to sort out what uh, their futures look like. So but, they could be a part of the Pac-2. 
the Mountain West, yeah. the West Coast Conference, and the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's yeah. very odd, but um, that's and that's also sounding like that's the preference that he heard from the people that would love to go to the Big Twelve. Kendall's good at what he yeah. does; as good as anybody when it comes to college baseball. But there, right. that would be a you know a good grouping uh, as far as Oregon State baseball for the Big Twelve. But yeah, that's it's an interesting little uh, arrangement there. All right, when we come back, uh, we will hear from Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports. His thoughts about FSU, what he's heard from within from sources at the SEC. Uh, within the conference about FSU. And is that really, if the SEC was going to add anybody from the ACC, what would the pecking order be? And if Florida State would be a part of that at the top. That and more, this is 365 Sports. Texas Beef House in East Texas, just outside of Tyler in White House, Texas. Texas Beef House, the Duvall family, has created such an incredible business for you. One, aged Wagyu beef. We have discussed what they have many, many times. But the bottom line is aged beef. Aged beef is not typically available to the public because of the added cost in time. Texas Beef House, they age the entire beef and not just the choices cuts of steak, resulting in improved texture and flavor for all of their beef. They've done online auctions. They've done live auctions. They're going to do more at the first of the year. Uh, They have gift boxes for you if you want, and they will ship it to you. Uh, what we've learned, Samantha Duvall, who handles a lot of the marketing, the various gift boxes from steaks, sausage, and so much more. And from Aaron Duvall, one of the owners, who, of course, has been fantastic. He and his wife have been in our studio. What this means to them, because this was not something they ever realized could get to be what it is today. A phenomenal company, incredible reputation and quality of their beef. It's aged Wagyu beef. You can order online, go to their texasbeefhouse.com. It is worth it. Believe me, I've had their product, and many of you who watch us, you have ordered it too at texasbeefhouse.com. burgers and bears football there's no place around waco that serves them all other than bubba's 33 come show your green and gold and enjoy some of waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team the bears when real bears fans get hungry bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice cold drinks hand stretched stone baked pizzas and bacon infused burgers join us for indoor or patio dining bubba's 33 waco's restaurant and proud supporter of baylor bears football sick'em bears With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. 
And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Offering over 50 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, bar, silver sneakers, and 10 cycling classes with morning and evening classes available. New state-of-the-art bikes that allow you to compete against yourself with a screen monitoring your speed, miles, resistance, and power. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Botts, and Nathan Rowe where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow, losing inches in weight the right way. There's a kids club included with your membership, plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts, plus a beautiful stadium court, and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior pro Kenna. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at wacotennis.com next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. If you want something to change in college athletics, just wake up the next day. And today, Florida State Board of Trustees meeting tomorrow. And I thought the best written column of anybody that I read was Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports. I'm not saying that because he's joining us. He's joining us because that's exactly the way I felt that he's been with us before on 365 Sports. Dan, thank you very much. I love the, so what if the proverbial dog that catches the car, now what? Or uh, they're not interested in a team until that team becomes available. Is today's news surprising at all to you, or is this something that was just a matter of time? I mean, Florida State's been saying for, uh, I mean, for a while, quietly, and certainly publicly, for over a year that they wanted out. They were going to find a way out. Uh, they're at they're the ACC. The, the grant of rights in the ACC extends through the 2036 season. So 2037 is the first time you could uh, get out if, if it, it just plays all its way out, which is obviously a long way off. The money in the ACC is, you know, low 30 millions. The SEC and the Big Ten could get double that. And for Florida State, which certainly sees itself as an equal to those programs and is surrounded geographically by Florida, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, LSU, all of that, the idea of being $30 million down a year, at least, um, is just uh, untenable for them, certainly un- un- uh, unappealing. So they've been saying we're going to find a way. Uh, they get snubbed on the playoff committee, uh, getting the playoff at 13-0. and That just rallied the anger and, uh, and, and disappointment there. Uh, the Baylor fans know about that, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, 
and so they're doing something about it. They're gonna they're gonna sue and try to get out of the, the ACC grant of rights. Now, whether they can or not, I don't know. Um, no one really knows exactly what that grant of rights says. Uh, but uh, they haven't been able to get out. Grant of rights are hard to get out of. We will see. But if they can, um, you know, that's probably the end of the ACC as we know it, uh, because they're not the only ones that would like to try to get a better situation. So it is a seismic move. I know it doesn't seem that exciting. A board of trustee meeting in Tallahassee to say we're going to file a lawsuit uh, or or the the actual filing lawsuit, but – as everybody knows, it's crazy in college sports and what can spark, you know, the demise of the Pac-12 after 108 years. What can make Arizona a Big 12 team, uh, Arizona Central Florida games, or yep. whatever we got, here it is. Dan, uh, when it comes to the, the ACC part of it, uh, you, you kind of mentioned that you sort of grouped all the anger back together as the season was sort of winding down. It seems like there's a lot of like, well, if we were somewhere else, I mean, what could the ACC in theory have done any differently? And I mean, they couldn't have done anything about the playoff snub either, but it did feel like that was just a, a convenient final straw to use as, all right, now we're, we're going at it after a lot of barking. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, first off, there's nothing they could do. Um, the ACC and Florida State's a prominent member of the ACC, and they helped create a four-team playoff when there were five power conferences. And when they did it, I think all of us sat around and did the math and said, well, wait, what happens if uh, – and they go, oh, don't worry about it. Well, here we are. Uh, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It's five leagues, four spots. You know, didn't have to be a mathematician to, to, to see the problems there. Um they are so you know some of this is brought on themselves. They were they were part of the ACC that agreed to a twenty year contract with ESPN because they wanted stability. Well, stability is, means not enough money. So you know there's a lot of things in terms of this playoff stuff. Yeah, there's nothing you can do, and that problem is solved. I mean, that's my thing about it is it's sunk, but we have a solution. It's called the twelve team playoff. It's coming next year. The ACC will get an automatic bid. Um, almost assuredly every year. So whatever, I don't see this as that. That's the reason. But in Tallahassee, the belief is the committee said we're not leaving the SEC champion out. And because of that, we're leaving Florida State out. And if Georgia had defeated Alabama and been the number one seed, it would have been Georgia one, Michigan two, Texas, uh, Texas three, and Florida State four. But because Mich- uh, Alabama had to get in there as the SEC champ, Florida State got bounced, so I think that created a little more resentment and more spark. You could always feel pretty good about yourself, and Florida State has a great history. There's no question about college football, the lineage from the Bobby Bowden years to who they are even now. But if, in fact, and I know you have great sources in the SEC and the Big Ten, if they were to tell you, here are the two teams we would want if the ACC ever became available, or we wanted to go and get somebody from the ACC, would Florida State be one of those two? The number one choice for both leagues, if you talk to people in both leagues, is North Carolina, University of North Carolina. It's um, obviously not as successful in football by any means, but it's got the basketball, but it's the state school, big state, very, very popular in its state. Florida State is one school in the state of Florida. There's also pro teams in Florida. A lot of people who live in Florida don't act, didn't actually grow up in Florida. It's, it's not 
it's not quite the same. So as much as it will bring some TV numbers, sure, everyone knows Florida State. It's not like North Carolina. North Carolina is the one they want. And the other one you hear they all talk about is Virginia uh, for the academics and the same thing, the state of Virginia and get into that population and all of those things. Those are actually more appealing in theory to the SEC and the big, certainly the Big Ten than Florida State and Clemson, which I think every college football fan would just say, well, just grab Clemson and Florida State. That'll help your league. Like, that's a great – those are great football programs. Miami, Miami's – now they're recruiting again. They could certainly be a great football program. That's an exciting team. Um, now, all of that gets said in theory, but, you know, I had a Big Ten trustee today say, you know, look, once they're available, all things can change. And, and all of a sudden, the TV network says, hey, look, we'll give you this much more money or this will be this much more appealing if you add Florida State and Clemson or Florida State and North Carolina, then anything can happen. So a little bit of is like, in theory, you say, oh, I'm not interested in that in that person. They're in a relationship, and all of a sudden the relationship ends and you go, yeah, now I'm interested. So we'll see what plays out. But um, Florida State is not – when you talk to people right now, the number one choice out of that league. The Big Ten didn't really want Oregon and Washington right until the Big 12 helped make that a lot easier for them, kind of kind of what you're saying there. Yeah, the Big 12, all of a sudden they were available. I mean, they could have grabbed them. The, you know, if you if you think of big, the Big Ten expansion, they go get USC and UCLA, and they say, okay, that's it. That's all we want out west. Then all of a sudden the Pac-12 is falling apart, and – NBC, CBS, and Fox are saying, hey, take these guys. They'll help in television. They'll help with television ratings, and they get them to take a half share of, of revenue. Like Washington and Oregon are splitting a share of the revenue in the Big Ten. You make a deal, boom, now you got them. Um, if you talked in theory, even last summer we were writing those stories, you talked to people in the Big Ten, they go, boy, our presidents would really love to add Cal and Stanford, the academics the entree to San Francisco, the Silicon Valley, all the wealthy alums out there, all the smart students that would maybe go to Big Ten schools. And, you know, in the end of the day, they didn't want them because their football teams aren't good. So there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of grandstanding about what's important. At the end of the day, it's generally who's the most exciting football program is. Um, so, you know, we will we will see. But it's it, it could get really messy over the next two years. This is the next front of conference realignment that I, I know everyone's sick of. Dan, is there any chance at all, and I know, again, I as I mentioned about their history, but is there any chance at all they could win this and then not have a place to go? And would that then shift from the SEC or the Big Ten? And could we see shrapnel occur that is a part of the Big 12? Well, you could certainly go to the Big 12. Uh, they're not going to – I mean, let's not scare ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they'll take them in a second. Yep, um, as they should. So the Big Twelve is there. They also could just reorganize the ACC. One of the problems with leagues that get too big, and the ACC was kind of your first super conference in a lot of ways. They merged the old ACC with some of the pieces of the Big East that they wanted. They tried to create this East Coast situation. Well, you know, they may sit there and say, "Hey, look, we're better off as a small conference." Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Virginia Tech, something like Virginia. And we don't need Boston College, and we don't need Wake Forest, and we don't need Syracuse, or, you know, whatever it goes, they may cut some of those people out. Uh, I mean, I think that's playing C or D. 
but you could certainly have that. You could also have the Big 12 be able to come in and say, all right, maybe we don't get Florida State Clemson, but could we get some of these other schools that are pretty appealing? Could we get more on, on basketball? You know, I know the Big 12 cares about basketball, which other colleges don't. But we're talking Louisville, mm-hmm. talking Duke, <laughs> yeah. talking, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Syracuse. I mean, you got some serious basketball programs and, and some decent other deals. So, Look, it, it's, it, these things are so crazy. You go, that, that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, did any of this ever make any sense five years ago? Dan, I, I have. And, again, there was a time when Louisville, at least when the Big 12 was looking at possibly expanding, they went through that, what, five or six years ago, and I think they were just basically doing it to make it look like they cared. But I've been told by uh, administrators in the Big 12 that Louisville has always still – not that they're unhappy in the ACC, but they've always kind of had interest in the Big 12. Have you heard, and I'm not saying they would leave the ACC if it was healthy and everything was fine. Have you heard anything about ESPN in this 2036 grant of rights timeline that ESPN actually, they have an opt-out and not the ACC if they wanted to use it? Why they would use it, I don't know, but they might have that coming around the corner. I don't. I I don't know if that they do or don't. I have heard that they might, um, but this is a good deal for for the for the ESPN right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're getting the program. They're getting the games they want, um, and they're getting a lot of really good basketball, which fills a lot of hours in the winter. It's not as profitable, but they got to put something on. Um, but they get some good football. They're basically all SEC now, and this is a good deal for them. And they're, the television rights markets are softening. I mean, all media is struggling in different ways. There's not this, you know, so much of the money is going to the NFL. Uh, you know, what can the NBA get? You're seeing the, the, the regional sports networks falling apart, all sorts of different stuff. So it's not like there's just this bottomless pool of ESPN money that they're just sitting there. They're not, they're not in 110 million homes anymore. They're, they're trying to make ends meet. So, um, you know, what they end up choosing to do would be, you know, I, I would think they, they want to keep the ACC together as is because they're, they're willing to pay that $30 million. Dan, you, you've heard the, the phrase power two that started to be used by media yeah. even more and more. I've, I've noticed that. And, and shoot, I mean, there's a league that's that's leaving after. It's going to be no more. There's going to be four at best. But uh, you mentioned it at the top of just – um, sick of realignment, realignment's crazy and all of that. Um, are you still surprised? I mean, even though you never say never in college sports, are you still just surprised when you sit back and look at the subject matter here of Cal and Stanford joining the ACC and these guys going over here and 18 teams in the Big Ten? I mean, is this even above even the creative college football imagination and, and realism in, in your mind? It just It just feels crazy the place we're in right now with college athletics and all this potential movement. Yeah, it's it, it, look. We know, like in, like we know that you know what. Guess what? There's going to be fifty programs that are really have are in on the money. Um, they'll play football all over because there's too many good players and they need to play each other and stuff like that. But we know we're heading to like two, two twenty sixteen leagues or something or or three or something like that. But every time it whittles down, you just sit there and go, this is this is this is crazy. Like, wait, Stanford and Cal have no value. Uh, I don't know. Florida, like, you know, just you just sit there and go, can't you figure out a better way? 
you know, just the other day, Chip Kelly, the UCLA coach, mm-hmm. the Oregon coach back in the day, you know, I don't know if you guys saw the thing. Yep. He yeah. said, uh, you know, let's let's just have everybody's an independent. Let's just get 60, 65, whatever the number is of, of power, four or five, whatever, and just share all the revenue and then have some kind of scheduling situation where you play each other throughout the years and you protect some rivalries and just do that. And then the group of five could have their group of, you know, their, their pool of money. And why can't we just do that and preserve it? And you go, yeah, that, that makes total sense. Except someone's got to give something up or there's got to be trust and cooperation and teamwork and leadership. And there's just none of that in college sports and, and uh, long-term thinking. And so that's the disappointing part is you sit there and go, well, I don't know. I mean, there's a, they're running it like a business, but it's not just a business. It's like a, there's an ethos to college sports that, that all of these teams somehow kind of matter. Uh, even if you're not a fan of them. Uh, you know, I, I look at like a Washington state and Oregon. I like I liked it knowing they're there. Uh, it's not that they're ever going to win the national title or they're, you know, my favorite team, but we all sat there and watched the, uh, you know, Washington State games late at night because they're fun. It's snowing up there, and they're throwing the ball 50 times, and that's just part of the fabric of the sport. And as you whittle this down, it gets away from some of that. So you just go, gosh, we we might not have Duke and Carolina in the same league. Like, why would we ever do that? Like, why? There's just so many different things. You go, gosh, this doesn't make any sense. Can't somebody stop this train? It's just not going to stop. And so it's it's every man for himself. It's it's find whatever the highest peak you can and. And it uh, hope you survive as long as you possibly can. I, I got to tell you that the line in your story today, and I've mentioned this, what if they are the proverbial dog that catches the car? Now what? Like, <laughs> I, that's, right. I tell you, I'm not, it's fantastic. Have you ever written a column where you've actually just walked away from it and went, damn, that was pretty good? <laughs> that's my dad's old line. <laughs> He's always saying, you're going to be the dog that catches it. <laughs> Oh, it's a car. What are you going to do then? And then I'd be like, oh, that's a good point. I used to say that to us all the time. So there you go. I gave you a new new line. Yep. New line. I love it. Dan, thanks yeah. for your time, man. I know you're busy. We appreciate it. As I said, Always just wake up the next day. Something is new in college athletics. We appreciate Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports, for his time today with us on 365 Sports. Yeah, head on a swivel. Just uh, a lot of it doesn't make sense. I mean, it makes sense if you're looking at it from a TV revenue standpoint or – you know, securing your future, so to speak, but uh, geographically, historically, all of those types of things that really should matter more than the money that you're not getting. A part of the t- like that's the thing is I'm not getting any money from the TV contract with ESPN or CBS. I'm just a college football fan, and I I don't know how much of this I love or even like. Um, you know, certainly it was is interesting to follow the OU Texas move and the USC UCLA move, and we were you know heavily discussing the moves last year. Um, but yeah, it's it's at a point now where I just w- I would like to fast forward to the end of it. Honestly, I, I would just like to know like, all right, who's still standing? Where are they playing? And where can I watch their games? Because that's really all I care about. And I know there's there's realignment junkies, and I'm one of them to an extent. But I've kind of had my fill over two years, you know. It's like, all right, now it's going to breathe. But, I mean, just gear up because it's it's not going anywhere. And, in fact, it's only going to get that much bigger because now you're talking about another conference that is, you know, playing the game of, of will you survive or won't you? And if you've survived, what does that look like on the other side? And who's a part of that? And um, tomorrow will be enlightening to see, you know, what actually comes of uh, Florida State's 
uh, move uh, legally. But, yeah, it's it doesn't make a lot of sense in some ways. And then when you just think about it from a pure money standpoint and an exposure standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. I realize we're in America and it's, it's all about the money. Um, but, man, it just it's making it all just so strange and, and kind of messy. And I just uh, – I don't know. I don't know like where this thing goes and, and what it ultimately looks like, but it is it is gearing up to be a um, a busy off season and certainly a lot more changes on the horizon. And maybe we're just barreling towards the power two and the whole NFL idea. Which I, I guess when we arrive there, I'll have a better idea of how I feel about all of that. But I am somebody who did watch Pac twelve late at night and didn't have a dog in the fight and did care about a lot of other programs that were on TV. And not because I had money riding on the game or because of what conference they were in. It's just I'm just a college football fan. And, um, you know, some of this has been fun. Some of this has been sad to see. And uh, we're about to get into probably the most chaotic period ever now. I mean, it's that was really all just the, the, the opening act to what is about to boil over out on the East Coast and, and, you know, have a massive effect on the entire landscape. So, yeah, buckle up. I got a, I had a question in the text room, and I don't want to ask it now. We do have uh, a part of the Devin Gardner interview coming up, the Michigan quarterback back in the day at 4.30. From Martin Moore, uh, I, I, I've never heard of it this way. Is there a chance, because of how the transfer portal and NIL is working, especially NIL, that teams can now take players – to keep them, and I'm talking about the 25 or 30 guys you signed, but is it possible now that programs will take players, walk-ons, give them NIL so they don't have to compete against them from another team? Yeah, of course. Where it was in the days of Bud Wilkinson and Daryl Royal and I'm sure many others, that they would have 175 players in the program, but you could only have so many players on scholarship, but they would do that and I think that was before the 85 scholarship limit. You could have everybody, but that kept them from playing for somebody else because they wanted to play at those particular schools, even if they never had a chance to play. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> would college football coaches find a way to have an advantage? Yes. Yes, they would. Would they do anything to have an advantage? Yes. Yes, they absolutely would. Would that include fill in the blank? Yes. Yes, it, it would. So, yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, but I think of Nebraska's walk-on program yep. and – that wasn't, you know, a bunch of guys who weren't deserving of scholarships. They got some scholarship-level players, right, uh, that were able to be tucked away under – what was that program called? They the, had a, uh, well, they had a freshman team. They had a walk-on right, team. They had but a redshirt thing. But they were, like, legit scholarship no, guys had no. they gone somewhere else, but because they were from Nebraska, right? Like yeah, because they, they, they were from the state of Nebraska. They yeah. were tucked away like they were walk-ons, basically, and they were, like, guys who probably could have gone to Oklahoma or Oklahoma probably State. Probably not OU, but some well, of those But you schools. know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. And, like, they could have gone – somewhere else and played scholarship football and played and and Nebraska was able to kind of tuck them away under the guise of that so I, I mean this is college athletics and especially in college football college basketball men's basketball I, I think fill in the blank yes there, yeah, there sure. are people out there that would that would do 
whatever that blank says to to get an advantage and, and to beat other teams for sure. You would still want to be able to play, but if you go to a school that's your dream school, like if you're high level, you're going to go play wherever you can. But if it allows you, Garrett, I'm just trying to think. Did, isn't this essentially what Texas Tech did with their walk-ons getting paid well, the money yeah. when they yeah. gave not just the 85 scholarships? And yeah, I, I, I think I think Baylor gives money to not just the the scholarship players, right. but also a, up to a certain amount of walk-on players too. Yeah, Texas Tech did the whole we're paying everybody whatever it was $25,000 and then it extended to like a specific number of walk-ons it was like 10 or 15 walk-ons I think it was 30 for them okay well 30 whatever the number was and yes that is absolutely what you're attempting to do there you're not doing that out of pure generosity for the kid from Estacado to improve his life you're doing that because that kid can play and if you pay him $25,000 he's going to stay closer to home and, you know, whatever arrangement you come up with and, and rather than go to, you know, TCU or something like that, potentially like, I, you know, there's it's not exactly like that. But, yes, that is absolutely an incentive to have more, quote unquote, scholarship level players, but not fall above the 80 or not, you know, go above the 85 scholarship limit. So, yeah, I mean, anything that can give an advantage, again, teams are going to try and do. And I just think, though, with the transfer portal, it does make it interesting because now you see these guys who are like a hired gun because you want them, and in some cases maybe you're also trying to keep them away. But, like, now if you're a college player, like, you could, depending on what level of a player you are, I mean, you can make tens of thousands of dollars. And never play. Bouncing around schools. Yep. Maybe millions, depending on who you are. And never basically see the field and play, like, three different places and, you know, make a bunch of money. And, you know, part of it's them wanting to keep you away, but also just the way you're able to maneuver now with freedom of, of, of player decisions uh, so yeah, it's it's a weird landscape with uh you know I don't like always going the wild wild rest r- route because I think that gets wildly overused at this point. But I don't know also that there's a better description of it because it is lawless in a lot of ways. There is just a lot of outlaw type stuff rolling around everywhere, and it's a lot of uh, you know a lot of law, a lot of the uh, law. Uh, not a lot of law and order, I guess, uh, in no, the grand scheme the of guard, things. Well, oh, we're not allowed to use that term guardrails because I got some people offended like we were trying to keep things capped. We're not trying to do that. We're just hoping to do what's best for the student-athletes. Now they're getting paid, or are they student-athletes? Getting paid, uh, all the amenities, all of that. Now the transfer portal, so if they're unhappy, they go somewhere else. But you know what? That leads me to what we're going to talk about in the next segment, but we'll also hear from former Michigan quarterback Devin Gardner. Florida State, uh, no, excuse me, A&M today announced the hiring of their new defensive coordinator. He, uh, Jay Bateman, he was the defensive coordinator at North Carolina at one point and also the defensive coordinator for Billy Napier in Florida. Okay, so he leaves. Now here's the kicker. Uh, Florida yesterday, although they did have some of their class rated, just had a class signed with them. And the next day, their coordinator, who some of those players were being recruited by, announces he's leaving for A&M. Here is a note from, um, is it Friedman? Do you have that one? From uh, Adam Friedman. Exchanged some texts with a parent of one of the players who signed with Florida yesterday. They had no idea Jay Bateman was going to leave. News broke this morning, the day after signing day, that Bateman is leaving Florida to become the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Now, I'm going to get to Ernest Graham later on, Garrett. This is part of the deal, and this is also the argument 
well, if coaches can leave anytime they want to, why shouldn't the players? And I, I kind of was one of those old school guys that, well, wait a minute, coaches are paid, they're professionals, that's their, and then you know what? You, they're right. But this is not the first time, but this is an example from the day after National Signing Day when players who signed with Florida, who thought they might be playing for Jay Bateman, the next morning they wake up and he's not there. Should they be able to renege on their signing of a scholarship or not? Are they going to be in the transfer portal? I don't know how that works, but that's also part of today's college athletics. Yeah, and that's the part of the argument that the pro NCAA side has never had a proper response to yeah Yeah, i mean they've never been able to you can say whatever you want to about like all sorts of different things well why don't they do this or why can't they have that but whenever the whole well if a coach can leave why can't a player leave that that never really has had a strong counter argument and you know going back to i can't believe people be offended by guardrails i mean that's just that's just trying to that was back a year and a half or so ago yeah i mean guardrails all that all that really means is just having like a set of rules, like, so that, you know, there's not as much tampering. It's not trying to prevent movement. It's not trying to prevent payment. It's just trying to prevent tampering. It's trying to, you know, make sure that a guy is actually at a place for, like, you know, what he signed up for as opposed to just willy-nilly being a 24-7 free agent, basically. I think that's just what a lot of fans of the sport would like to see. As, as exciting as the transfer portal is, you'd also love to see that guy that you signed yesterday is actually going to be there for more than 10 months maybe or 12 months because there's already plenty of examples where guys who signed last year are already in the portal. And I think uh, it's not due to not lack of playing time. It's due to like, well, Georgia got in the DMs, and that's what people want guardrails from. That's the kind of thing that people want to, to stem off, um, at least from, from my point of view. And that's the same thing when I say like the law and order thing. I don't want policing of it all. I just don't want it to be as wild and, and lawless as it, it appears to be where there's just no ramifications for anything. Nothing means anything. That, that, I guess that's a bit, nothing means anything. Is, you know what I mean? Like, the commitment doesn't really mean anything in the long run. It doesn't mean anything past a certain point. I would just like for things to still mean something for longer than five seconds. Does that make for sense? For both players and coaches. Yes, for everybody. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely not, like, anti-player or and pro-coach. Absolutely not. Like I said, the argument of, well, coaches can move, why can't players? That's the one that nobody has a, a proper response to. And the coaches themselves got fat and happy on big contracts, and the schools did as well on fat TV deals and did everything in their power to not have to ever hand over any of that money until they were absolutely forced to. And now the ones who have the most are able to do that and free and clear rather than under the table and and have their cake and eat it too. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely pro-player. I just think for everybody's sanity involved, like we have a day like yesterday where there's all these things converging, just that's some of the stuff that you can sort out that would make it just more enjoyable, I think, for everybody or a little bit more clear-cut than just this fog that we're sort of in where everything's being fought in court and everything's just sort of still, like, dirty under the table, but it's legal, so why... You know what I'm saying? So I, I just think that's where I come in on the whole... Uh, the, the cleaning up of it, but no, absolutely don't want to restrict player movement and, and not allow them to have the same opportunities that coaches do because, again, there's not an argument for them to really to not to. And if it is, well, they're employees, well, then there you go. That just feeds into why players should be employees and the next pass that we may be going down here in the coming months and years as, as these lawsuits work their way through the court. So, yeah, it's craziness. 
you know, there's there's no commissioner that's going to be able to roll in and fix this. Um, that's in the, a lot of this is in the hands of judges and and, and the courts. But um, it's just it's a wild time, man. When you add up all of the different things that are going on and the things that we're referring to, it's just an absolutely crazy time in college sports and. Who knows where it's it's leading? Some believe into, you know, the NFL like system uh, that would leave a lot of schools in the dark. Some think, all right, it'll be sixty four teams and two conference. You know what? I don't know. I don't know what we're going towards. Uh, but certainly, with the Florida State news, it appears that the two big dogs could be getting even bigger if Florida State gets their way. Even though they're not going to say that right now, and they have to deny or or not really claim to have any interest. But that Florida State case, that is the next big. You know, bowling ball coming down the, the lane here, the next big domino, however you want to refer to it. That is the, that is the one that now has uh, the next wave of changes coming down the pipeline. Yeah, uh, by the way, S Scout guy, who's an S South Carolina fan, I played SEC baseball. I honestly don't see how these coast-to-coast conferences are going to work. Ugh. It's hard enough to play a weekend series as South Carolina's in Baton Rouge, let alone Stanford. I think what we might see, and I could be just not – uh, by the way, Mac Rhodes tomorrow will join us. Uh, Baylor, Director of Athletics tomorrow. And I'll get to tomorrow's show in just a moment. Uh, that one brought up. I think we're going to see a massive adjustment in two or three years. I understand conferences might change. Where we're going to see, almost in a way, what Chip Kelly has mentioned, in a, a one huge bubble of football teams. How many? I don't know. And everybody's going to go back to playing more of a regional conference-type schedule. I think you're going to see that. I understand the television rights and all that with those who have joined the Big Ten or the SEC, et cetera, or even the Big 12. I think at some point you're going to see kind of a correcting of the market, so to speak, and everybody goes, man, this is just not – I don't care how much the money is in football. We This is just is wearing everybody out. Yeah, and here's the thing, too, is like, do you really – I don't I, – I, there are certain teams that could move the needle in basketball, like Kansas – would be obviously very attractive. North Carolina, as part of the uh, you know potential Big Ten or, or SEC move, they're you know they're mentioned and it's always mentioned. Well, their football program's not that great, but they've got this and this and this and this and basketball, of course, as well. But I do think that's you know exactly what Chip Kelly was referring to is just break off football entirely. It's its own beast because. You know, Oregon and Washington and the Big Ten and football is exciting, but do you really care about that in basketball? I mean, do you honestly? Nope. Do you care about Oregon, Ohio State, and basketball? Like, nope. no, of course not. I mean, you know, I'm sure you get excited about Texas, LSU, and, and basketball. I mean, for some some matchups, it's going to be cool, and you're going to like it. But, see, that still makes sense geographically, though. That's not Texas playing, like, uh, Ohio State in basketball. I mean, that's not going to move the needle like Texas, Ohio State, and football is going to move it. And so this is all football. This is all mm-hmm. geared towards football. This is not for the – best basketball matchups, although the Big 12 mm. could be the league that's trying to maneuver that way of like, yes, let's get Gonzaga so we have Gonzaga-Baylor, Gonzaga-Kansas, and for the hoops heads, that'll be great. But, yeah, this is football driving the bus, and so Chip Kelly's thoughts the other day I think were spot on, and I do think that that makes way more sense, having it football you know, all to itself as opposed to uh, UCLA softball going to Rutgers to play because who cares, honestly, about that? But, you know – what UCLA fans would care about playing Arizona in softball. That means way more to them. I, I, and I don't live out there, but I, I'd feel pretty good 
that that would be the case if you were to pull UCLA softball fans. Yeah, you have you know? some national programs that, like, for example, Texas plays Stanford in most everything. That'll move the needle in and, and, Texas will move the needle and no matter also, what. And yeah. also, at most of those schools, although they dip every once in a while, they're both really, really good. Like, for example, and so you'll have that Duke playing across country against Stanford or Johns Hopkins in uh, lacrosse against whoever it might be. But, no, I, I just wonder. I'm just saying that. And it, it, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't bother me. I won't lose any sleep. But at some point, the football stuff continues to grow. The money continues to get larger. And the bubble might even, like, change a little bit, as we've heard about the super conferences, or maybe it's 60 or 58 or 64 or 40. But I do think at some point the other sports are going to realize that, yeah, you could be a part of the ACC if you're whoever, Cal Stanford, but you're also going to need to play, like, about the maybe the number of conference games has to decrease, and you end up playing more non because most of those sports are anyway invitations into tournaments. Yes, conference champions in basketball, softball, baseball, but most of that is going to be something you're invited anyway because there's only so many different conferences. Uh, we need to take a break. Uh, appreciate a lot of you in the chat, uh, Jose, uh, Jose, or Jose. Big Ten would take FSU and Miami if Miami made themselves available. I think you might want to tap the brakes on that. It, I don't think that's what they would do first. That doesn't anything out of disrespect to both of those schools, but I don't think that's what the Big Ten would do if, in fact, anybody from the ACC became available and first. To clarify what you're saying here is it's not that they would never have any interest. It's that if you were to say, hey, Big Ten – all bets are off. All don't no lawsuits. Not, you can go make your move right now. What do you want? I just, I think what you're saying is Miami wouldn't be like their top two choices, right? No, is that I, what, no. that's what you're saying? I think so, it would be a lot of interest, Miami, but it wouldn't be one yeah. and two if they could make those first two right. choices. So if you say, hey, you got the top two draft picks to go draft anybody out of the ACC, who do you want? I don't know that Miami would be number one or number two, but. This is also not that clear cut. This is also what happened over here that caused this to happen, that caused that to happen, that caused Miami to become available in this month as opposed to six months ago. And then, you know, where are we there? And that's that's what's so fascinating and interesting for realignment junkies. Right. But also unpredictable is that one move leads to another, and there is that domino effect. So, yeah, right out of the gates – Big Ten, here's your top two draft picks. They're not going to go grab the Canes right away, but could that be an option that they would be interested in because this team went here and this team joined up and you could have these four all together? For Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, if you're a Miami fan, you're very interested in what's going on because you are in that upper group still. You're just maybe not one or two, but you are in that upper group of teams that would be, you would think, of interest for those other leagues for certain. And FSU, obviously, they they are as well. But yeah, Miami, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina. You mentioned, or you hear about Virginia as well. But, uh, but yeah, Miami would be in the mix, uh, to be sure. They would be. Uh, and so would NC State, Louisville, among others, too. Uh, as, depending on what conference is looking to add somebody. All right, coming up next, we had, uh, if you didn't hear, Daquan Finn, who's coming to Baylor, the Toledo quarterback. I had the opportunity to get to know Devin Gardner, former Michigan quarterback. You may not remember him. He was a starter. He wore number 98 as a quarterback. He is uh, Daquan Finn's, like, mentor. Uh, I spoke with him a little bit about his process and what he knows about Daquan. We'll have that coming up. Bob Thompson, can't wait to get to him. I reached out to him this morning after the SU story hit. He goes, let me guess, grant of rights information. Yep, 
Bob Thompson today at 5, and then also Paul's top 5 just around the corner. Uh, he's not here today or tomorrow. And then we're off all of next week on vacation. And speaking of tomorrow, we will be live tomorrow, 8.30 tomorrow morning until 11.30 tomorrow morning Central Time live. We will replay the show in the afternoon slot. But we will be live tomorrow morning from 8.30 to 11.30 with this show and then have that on the replay at around 2 o'clock, 2.30 or 3 tomorrow afternoon just to give you that information. So if you get an alert or not, if you're subscribed or not, or just set your alarms, we appreciate that. This is 365 Sports. Pioneer still in pipe, 1943, they opened their doors. And then a year ago, they opened up doors to a brand-new facility on Loop 340 and Highway 6 east of 35 in Waco. Bigger, better, faster, and stronger. And what they were doing was really, really good because they've been in business since 1943. So think about that. 1943, and here they are still today, and as good, if not better, than ever before. Where a handshake makes a, a difference. Some say that. They mean it. They want the handshake. Their customers, generationals of one family to the next to the next because people keep coming back. They've outfought and they've also sustained their business throughout the big, huge companies that come into a city and eat away at the local companies, but they survive. And now, bigger, better, faster, and stronger. Pioneer still in pipe, Loop 340, and also Highway 6, east of 35, pioneerboys.com. Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI see an equal housing lender. Waco Custom Marketplace 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, 8 to 10 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Pit hams, 12 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Bone-in hams, 18 to 22 pounds for $3.40 per pound. Whole raw turkeys from 12 to 16 pounds for $2.50 a pound. Whole smoked turkeys, that's smoked turkeys at 9 to 12 pounds for $3.75 a pound. And many pit hams, Six to eight pounds for $5.99 a pound. And don't forget, they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want, pork, poultry, seafood, and beef. And I bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family. Full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread. And cold beer and wine. Tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal. Waco Custom Marketplace and the holiday items, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water.
water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student-athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student-athletes. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisor. Council. GXG is a program of Startup Waco, a tax-exempt organization under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. Donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website site www.gxg.startupwaco.com This is 365 Sports powered by Sikkim365.com The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. Want to again remind you that tomorrow we will be live from 8.30 to 11.30, and the show will then be put back on the air during our normal time in the afternoon. And tomorrow will include Brett McMurphy, Tomorrow, uh, Zach Barnett has just uh, sent me a text. We're going to have him on tomorrow. He's not available because of car trouble. Uh, also, tomorrow, we will have Mac Rhodes, Baylor's Director of Athletics, and uh, Mickey Spagnola on the NFL weekend. He'll join us, too. So that's tomorrow, 8.30 to 11.30 here on 365 Sports. So a couple of other stories. G.J. Kenny at Texas State opened the year in Waco beat Baylor, and started what was the 3-9. and nine. He has a new contract. Pete Thamel reporting that. G.J. Kenny with a new deal. Good for him. Texas State trying to keep him around as long as they can. He and Jeff Trailer also will, next time around, when there's other head coaching jobs open, will be hot commodities in Texas State trying to wrap him up. Yeah, I got two thoughts on that. One, uh, Texas State, I feel for the reporters down in San Marcos. You got bit by the Thamel bug like everybody else seems to these days. Uh, there are a lot of schools that love the the impressions. that, And this is not a knock on Pete at all, to be very clear. But there is, a, as we well know, 
a, a push by some people at times. To, like, we need the biggest announcement ever rather than, like, the guy at the newspaper getting to break it. And so um, that's, that's interesting. But um, that's also, am I wrong, entirely unnecessary? Like, did he really need a contract redo after well, one no, year? But this is, okay, I'm happy as hell for GG. Yeah, absolutely. And it is the trend. And I'm sure that he's going to have a fantastic career in Texas State next year will be better. But at the same time, this is what it seemed like because most of the coaching jobs are filled. So you're almost bidding against yourself, and yet UTSA with Trailer, G.J. Kenny, Texas State, among others, they have to kind of deal with this, even though the inevitable might, might inevitable will probably happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they get a couple extra hundred thousand dollars for the inevitable buyout versus what they would have gotten without that contract extension. But I do think that is where teams find themselves in a pickle sometimes. Is like he had some success. Let's sign him to a longer, more lucrative deal. And it's like it's been one year. I mean, it's been. They, and they were they were good, but they it's like they were you know running through the conference and winning the championship there at the end. But no, that's great for him. I just I I'm gonna be that way with every story where a first year head coach is already getting a reworked contract. I, I just think that that's a little abrupt, but that's great for GJ. I think that that just shows that they feel like they have their guy, but they are also well aware of of the fact that he's so much of a guy that. There are going to be people beating down the door sooner rather than later. So I understand the the idea there. Um, and good for them and, and whatever that amounts to when somebody does, in fact, come calling and excited to see what he can do in year two because he did seem to, uh, you know, light a little bit of a spark down there in San Marcos. So a couple other stories to get to and then Devin Gardner. Jeremiah Smith, the number one player in the country, the wide receiver from Shamanad Madonna, saw them play back in 2005 against what is now Legacy High School in Tyler. He signed with Ohio State. There was a kind of a delay. His NIL rep wanted to make sure that everything that needed to go through Ohio State's collective had been signed. That was the delay. And for many, uh, who has joined us many times before, theathletic.com, and then another NIL attorney or collective saying, more people need to do this. Because there is paperwork, and that's what ties up someone from being available even four days after they committed or whoever it might be. Well, I mean, you should just do that business-wise anyways. I mean, that's where you probably have some people fall into these, you know, wrong situations or false promises. Uh, You know, Jaden Rashada uh, comes to mind. You know, should have had it all in writing, I suppose. And I don't know how all that eventually worked itself out other than he, he obviously left, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's smart on his part. He's got some good advice. I don't know if he's already one of those players who has an agent that's an unofficial agent or whatever, um, but whoever was in his ear on making sure all that's secured did him a, uh, you know, a solid there, and that's, you know, good that he was able to have the, the wherewithal or the, the information to uh, make that decision as opposed to just rushing into something. So, yeah, smart on his part, and that's probably a good example for a lot of other recruits uh, that are of his stature or a little bit lesser stature uh, to be mindful of as well. So, yeah, and good for Ohio State. Hey, congrats, Ohio State, the number one overall player in the entire country and a tremendous five-star wide receiver. Not that you're strangers to, you know, big-time wide receivers. He'll be the next in line of uh, great Buckeyes wideouts, I'm sure. And uh, what a hell of a player and a smart businessman it appears to be as well. Garrett, before we get to Devin Gardner, do you have the Chris Vanini tweet on the group of five recruiting classes? Here are... 
According to Chris Vanini, looking at all the stats and data, the top 10 group of five recruiting classes per 247's rankings. USF, Tulsa, Toledo, East Carolina, Colorado State, then UNLV, Memphis, North Texas. Good for them. San Diego State and Southern Miss Alex Golish continues, and he already had and was doing. Remember, they played Alabama very well in the heavy pouring down rain early in the game. I think that uh, Milrow was benched. Those are the top ten group of five recruiting classes per 247 sports. There you go. Yeah, good for them. Uh, don't really know too much about uh, those individual classes uh, or there's programs and, and where they find themselves overall, but uh, that's that's great uh, for USF and Tulsa. they coming off of a pretty rocky little stretch, so that's great for them. Daquan Finn, obviously, uh, just left Toledo to come down here, um, but Toledo's still doing uh, well, uh, appears in recruiting, and uh, yeah, that's that's good look at a lot of schools that we may not always have a microscope on so yeah all right so earlier today i spoke to former michigan quarterback devin gardner he is training with uh, raquan finn the new commitment quarterback out of toledo daquan what did i say raquan Daquan. yeah daquan finn out of toledo headed to baylor we had daquan on earlier today and i had a chance to ask devin a little bit more about daquan finn and baylor and some of the homework that he did before Daquan Finn committed to Dave Aranda. Devin, we've obviously seen what Daquan has done, how he's improved as a football player, and coming from Detroit, Michigan, and now he's going to be in Waco, Texas, and what he did at Toledo and won a championship, MVP, all that. How has he grown up in your eyes as a person over the years, from not playing immediately in college to now being a coveted transfer portal quarterback? I'm personally super proud of what he's been able to do because a lot of people, when you go through kind of those things of not being the guy and and not getting the notoriety that you may think you deserve because of how hard you work, a lot of people can't come back from that and they, they kind of fall by the wayside. They they say maybe it doesn't work. Maybe all this hard work is, is not working. But he's a guy that continued to work, and that just shows a different kind of intestinal fortitude that a lot of people don't have. So – his emotional growth as far as being a leader, being a, a quarterback, being a guy in the community. I mean, he is worlds beyond what he was as a 15, 16-year-old. And, and he's kind of aware of his surroundings in a way that helps. He can help himself, but also others can lean on him to, to help with their journey of, of navigating through. Maybe I'm not playing as much. Well, maybe the team – Maybe the coach doesn't like me, right? That's what kids love to say. The mm-hmm. coach doesn't like me. And he went through that kind of thing. And so now he can talk to a young guy like, no, no, no. We got to look in the mirror, right? What are we doing, right? What are you doing that has put you in this position? And how do you pull yourself out? Because he's done it. And, and he had experience in Toledo where he was able to do that. So I think that he's an, an asset, obviously, on the field. But emotionally for young guys, and, and Baylor had a young team a year ago, will still be relatively young this next coming year. He can be a, a, a service for that, and it'll help the improvement of those young guys and, and get them on the field and playing well. Devin, he's moving to Baylor. They had a struggle, no question, uh, offensively, defensively, across the board. When he entered the portal, obviously there was a lot of people he could have gone. People wanted him. I mean, all over the country. Why do you think Baylor ended up with the Quan Finn? I think the, the style of offense fits him perfectly, but the most important thing, I think, in all of this, is Dave Aranda 
and and the kind of person he is. He's almost I kind of described it to Daquan uh, that in coaches' calls, it's kind of like speaking with Gandhi. It's like a, a guy who is so emotionally aware, emotionally intact. In, in and, and the real cool thing is he's not going to sacrifice his culture with good guys just to get the best of the best of the best player, if that makes sense, right? He, he holds his culture and what they've been able to do at Baylor. Obviously, didn't have the season they won to a year ago with a young team, but the, what, they, what he's been able to do, I've been very impressed with. And, and him emotionally, I think, is going to help Jaquan so much and give him the freedom to kind of be himself and, and really lead that football team. See, that's interesting because obviously the way 2022 ended, Baylor did not play well at the end and basically was just awful in a bowl game against Air Force. And then last year, wow, I mean, from the beginning – so there were and are in the fan base meeting. You can understand that you played the game. We're like, man, it, there's going to be a coaching change, and, and there's going to be like, does he had the best team ever? Did he did it? Were those what things he did and his staffer was that because of the players were already there from the Matt Rule staff? So how much did Devin bring that up to you? And 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 even with what the wins and loss record is or has been, that that really was not much of an issue. Well, so the thing is for me, I kind of got a unique perspective getting a chance to see them and study the film, and they aren't far off. And I know fans, you know, they look at the record and, yep. and, and what have you, and they're like, man, no, we're terrible. We Everybody needs to go fire everybody. Like people used to say, Kobe Bryant would say, cut everybody. Yep. Right? And let's just restart. <laughs> and from my perspective, you know, studying the film, I, I think that they are not that far off. I think that a few balls bounce this way or that way. And I think that the most impressive thing about that Baylor team last year that did not play well is the fact that in every single game, you didn't see players quitting and not playing with, with great intensity and, and giving it everything you got, man. I'm just telling you, when you don't win football games and all the noise outside, it is hard to stay focused on the main thing. And somehow, some way. Aranda was able to keep those guys united and, and playing hard. And, and I don't know if he's just a, a great salesman or what have you, but that's something that's going to be super beneficial for this team moving forward because they've seen the other side. They've seen all the bad things people are talking, talking about, talking about them, and they are going to be able to use that as a rallying cry and, and adding a piece like Daquan Finn, and obviously they're going to add a few more other pieces. I think it's going to be a good season for Baylor football. Devin, um, when you look at Jake Spavital, he was at Cal. He's been at Texas State. He, as a head coach, didn't do all that well, but he's been at A&M and West Virginia, and you name it, mm-hmm. and he runs that offense, and they have kind of had that more – well, it's been that wide zone that was great in 21, but not the last couple of years. Uh, have you watched what he's done too, and have you spoken with him, or has Daquan spoken to Jake Spavital much? I'm sure he has. Yeah, he spoke with them a lot, and, and they're very excited. It, I, I actually had the perspective of – calling the game with Texas State when he was at Texas State. Right? Okay. So I got a chance to see the way their offense plays, and, and he did it without a dynamic running quarterback, right? And so when you add the, the kind of passing game that he can bring with a guy with legs and, and ability, it, it's a scary sight, right? And that's why I think that a lot of fans are going to be excited with Baylor football because of those two new additions with the coordinator and the quarterback. Devin, uh, final thing about Daquan. Detroit, Michigan – Toledo, uh, the Mud Hens, by the way, the old series of Mash uh, with Jamie Farr. But 
in Waco, Texas. Waco has uh, blossomed quite a bit in recent years. The economy, tourism has exploded. Baylor, obviously, with the success they've had the last uh, 10, 12 years in football, despite some ups and downs, that, that, that he's going to be coming to Waco, Texas. Your thoughts about what Baylor fans are about to experience with the Quan Finn? They're going to have some fun watching football. I can tell you that. You know, like we've talked about already, yep. he's a dynamic runner. Uh, and I think they're getting the best version of the Quan Finn. You know, I had to deal with the one that wouldn't speak up and, and the one that he kind of w- was almost like, wait, what's wrong with you? Is something wrong with you? No, it's nothing wrong with him. He's just not the kind of open up person, you know? And he's developed into that and, and a great leader. So they're going to, they didn't have to deal with all that stuff. They'll get a chance to just see the fun, uh, the Quan Finn that loves football, loves his teammates. And, and I'm just telling you, it's going to be exciting to watch. And, and I can't wait to see the show. That's Devin Gardner, former Michigan quarterback who mentors Daquan Finn. And coming up next, former Fox Sports executive Bob Thompson. It's been a while. He Many times we went to him because of uh, Patrick Craig's Jim Williams, because of all the realignment, and now the FSU story today. What are his thoughts about what he solved, the grant of rights, and more? And this is 365 Sports. We appreciate your time. An hour to go. As a family dealership, Christmas is a very special time at Richard Carr Motors. Time with family and friends is precious, and they know getting to your family safely is a priority. So whether you need a new SUV to travel with your family or service on your existing car or truck, Richard Carr is here to give you the best deals and the best service during the holidays and all year long. And right now they've got the power and strength and a stunning interior when it comes to the GMC Sierra, a truck that has it all, and they have dozens in stock ready to go right now over at Richard Carr. Save thousands in holiday savings on cars and trucks. Qualified buyers, for example, can save 8000 on a GMC Sierra twin-turbo elevation model, plus military and first responders can save an additional restrictions do apply, so you can see dealer for details or contact them over the phone or contact them through their website, richardcar.com. But there you go, the GMC Sierras right now, thousands in offerings that you can save on those terrific trucks. But also, if you're not looking to necessarily go brand new, they've got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks available right now, as well as they trade for the best. Over 90 used cars and trucks to choose from all inspected with a 172-point inspection and the Richard Carr seal of approval plus the financing goal at Richard Carr is always 100% credit approval as they say yes when others say no. So check out the dealership that's been around for 24 years in Central Texas and built a reputation during that time as the people you can count on for your automotive needs. Run by proud Central Texans, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Nation's Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com in White House, Texas, just outside of Tyler in East Texas. Aged Wagyu beef and so much more you have on your ranch. And what is next? We are planning another auction January 30th. This auction will be an in-person, online also, a live auction like we did the first time. You come out to the ranch, dinner is going to be provided. It'll um, be a variety of steaks hamburger, sausage, tri-tip, brisket, roast, all of the different Wagyu cuts. It's going to be on a Tuesday. It's on January 30th, and it'll kind of be your get-ready-for-Valentine's dinner auction. We, of course, have a great relationship, partnership with what you do. How has the reaction been as your name and what you guys do at TexasBeefHouse.com grown? It has grown a lot over this last year. I kind of made a joke at the beginning of 2023 and told my husband, 2023 is going to be our year. I don't know how it, how what we're going to do, but something with 2023 is going to be our year and we started our auction so so many things have changed for us this year which has been for the better so we just want to tell all of our customers merry christmas happy new year and thank you so much for your continued support in the year of 2023 and we hope that you return to us in 2024 and they will repeat customers because the product is amazing aged wagyu beef texasbeefhouse.com this is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. So I thought this was one of the better tweets from all the FSU stuff earlier today from Bob Thompson, who's about to join us. Who thought you would need a law degree to follow college sports, NIL, realignment, employee law, and transfers? Have your kids become college sports lawyers? It's kind of what yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, that Matt Brown said uh, about covering collegiate athletics. Bob Thompson, rock star that we have on realignment and more, joins us on 365 Sports. Well, Bob, here we maybe go again. Yeah, it kind of seems that way. Good afternoon, guys. You too. Glad to be back with you. I hope that uh, National Signing Day and the transfer portal granted all your wishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now that it's over, yeah, or at least some of it is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So here we are again talking the infamous grant of rights agreement. It appears certainly that the CFP snub might have been the straw that broke the camel's back for FSU, and it certainly sounds like they're going to talk about challenging it. 
So, Bob, um, tomorrow, what uh, importance or what do you take away? I mean, there's a lot of these reports floating around. It's, they're going to challenge it, but what does that mean in the, in the big picture? What is your reaction to, to that move by Florida State? Well, I think they've got to figure out what they're, if they're, if they're going to challenge it to try and actually have it uh, termed unenforceable um, or if they're going to – challenge it under the terms uh, under the expectation that they want to they want to negotiate an exit um, those are probably the two 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 things that could happen or the two approaches that they could take uh, i'd be surprised if they went for some sort of conference dissolution or you know anything along those lines but it, it certainly can become a, a method to negotiate a, an, an early exit uh, and then it just becomes, you know, about the money. And I, the other thing that I'm interested to see is how everybody reacts. Um, the TV folks, the other conferences, you know, they still have to be, you know, they got to land somewhere unless they're going to go independent. Uh, how the ACC reacts, how the other schools in the ACC react. I think a lot of that's going to be very telling. Um, a lot of, you know, if, if these agreements are deemed unenforceable, um, you know, they're all the same. I mean, it's, it's amazing how close each of these grant of rights agreements read. I mean, it's like somebody copied them and just changed the name of the conference. Mm-hmm. They're very short. They're not real specific. So there's a ton of room for interpretation and, you know, different ways that they can be looked at, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. And so I think the reaction of, of the other element, you know, the other parties involved in, in these grant of rights agreements, regardless of the conference, it's going to be really interesting to see. If someone eventually breaks one, and Texas OU, of course, they made the announcement, or that came out, what, a couple of summers ago, and eventually they negotiated what they did with your mark in the, in the Big 12. But let's say somebody actually wins this. Is everybody else around the country going to go, why the hell didn't we do that earlier? Well, there'll probably be some some people who will be second guessing some decisions they made, um, but no one's really tried to skate this early. I mean, these the granted rights didn't exist until some you know schools got plucked. You know, ACC got victimized by the Big Big Ten with Maryland and some of those type of moves, and they, and they the, the broadcast guys decided they needed some protection and. While the broadcast folks aren't a party to these agreements, their, their, their television agreements are specifically mentioned in the, the body of the agreements. And it gives the TV guys a comfort level that they're going to get the games that they bargained for. And then you get to the contracts and the, the compilate, you know, what the composition of the conference is very specifically laid out. And there's, you know, there's uh, clauses that are put into effect depending on people, you know, people might, come into the conference and people might leave the conference and there's there's uh, clauses that cover those things but to have the whole grant of rights blown up is you know that that would be that would be serious serious problem bob why would espn from your estimation i know we're, we're i mean this story 
Florida State's been talked about for probably going on about a year now, but it's all you know seemingly starting to happen now. But why would ESPN, who has the ACC already under their umbrella, um, why would they be willing to uh, help facilitate or encourage a move in any way? You know, where you see a, a dissolution of the ACC or a Florida State moving to the SEC, because that's one of the parts here that um, you see people bring up. Well, ESPN would want to do this. Where where would you see that angle sort of coming from and how that would make sense on their end? Well, the, the first angle is they don't want them in the Big Ten with Fox. There you go, yeah. That's, no, that's number one. And I think certainly, you know, if they went to the SEC, certainly ESPN has a continued, you know, continuing relationship with the SEC. Now they'd be coming in at twice as much money, though. And, that, you know, that's no good for ESPN. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if they, got, they end up picking up a couple others, you know, you're going from 30 to 70 million per school for everybody who comes into the SEC. So, um, and I, and I think the ACC blowing up or imploding would not be good for ESPN because they, they have the ACC network, which, you know, makes them some money and they, they need the content. You know, they've got four channels, whatever they're running, they're going to have a full time, you know, they got ESPN plus and they're going to have a direct consumer version of ESPN. So, you know, they live on events and to have the conferences kind of implode would, would not be helpful for them, but clearly they want to keep FSU under their umbrella, regardless of what conference it is. in. Bob, I was told it doesn't mean it's true. And I didn't, I, I would mention that Florida state was going to start barking again before the end of the year. And I had somebody within college athletics tell me that, but they also mentioned to me, and I can't imagine this, but had you ever heard of, for example, the grant of rights, the ACC and its ESPN, not Florida State and ESPN, but that ESPN might have a kick-in clause or opt-out clause in the next two to five years, and it's their opt-out and not the ACC's opt-out. Let's say they do, and if one, have you ever heard of that? And number two, why would they do that even if they had that opportunity? I have never heard of that in any collegiate deals. There's other deals that have walkaways. Uh, for example, it's the, the Apple deal with the MLS. They can walk after a couple of years if they're not happy. So, but I, I have not heard that. I, I don't know why. You know, the, this new S, the new ACC deal that they're working under now that extended through 2036. That was done around 2017 for the sole purpose of launching the network. Uh, the ACC network and and ESPN wanted to know that if they were going to launch that network and go through all that expense and cost that they were going to have that for a, you know a long period of time and that's hence the deal goes through 2036 so that they can recoup that investment. So I, I have not heard or seen a college deal that had uh, a give TV guy the right to unilaterally walk after some period of time. So. Uh- we have a chat that goes on to the side of the show, and a lot of times it's about what we're talking about or the topics of the day or sometimes just back and forth on other stories. So the SEC, when they added Texas and Oklahoma, you remember the uh, reaction by A&M was what the you-know-what. South Carolina and Florida are in the SEC. You would think they would not want Clemson or Florida State in the SEC. But it, I think, also has to be a unanimous vote. If everybody in the higher levels of the SEC wants them, would they not, like, it was going to happen no matter what, like with Texas and Oklahoma? And I don't know 
if the OU Texas brand we're not we're not Florida State Clemson's big, but it's not Oklahoma Texas. What are your thoughts about right. that? Well, the conferences are usually pretty good about making every vote seem as though it was unanimous. Um, the the one that kind of ran foul of that was the whole ACC expansion, where there was you know several schools, Florida State, Clemson among them, who voted against the expansion, uh, the addition of SMU and Cal and Stanford, but. I mean, I can understand why Florida and uh, South Carolina wouldn't be thrilled with it. Um, I think from the conference standpoint, you know, it, it probably, it doesn't help the SEC network a ton because they've already got clearance in all the, in, in mm-hmm. Florida through, through the Florida, you know, University of Florida and, and, and the game conference in South Carolina. Uh, so it would actually make better sense for the Big Ten who doesn't have any distribution of the Big Ten network in Florida or not significant in Florida or South Carolina. So you can see how the different pieces that come into play here. Um, I don't know if anyone in the SEC, say it gets this that far, and if the, there's going to be a majority, well, I don't know what the majority requirement is on a vote for expansion, uh, but it would come. It, it certainly would come out to the press as though it was unanimous and everybody's happy, even though there might be some folks who weren't too thrilled with the idea. During your time negotiating these deals and watching college football and these networks and grant of rights, et cetera, if you were the Big Ten or from based on your knowledge, North Carolina, Virginia, Florida State, Clemson, looking at it from the Big Ten's perspective, you just mentioned why that territorially wise would territorial wise would be good which of them do you think the big 10 would rather have if they could pick two of those four uh, i've said for quite a while that uh north carolina and virginia mm-hmm. fit the big 10 model and and it would provide them with um you know additional distribution for the big 10 network um i think the big 10 feels that they can recruit pretty well down in florida and that they don't need to have a school there necessarily. Um, so I, I just think the the makeup of the of Virginia and UNC just fits the the culture of, of the Big Ten uh, more easily than Clemson and FSU does. I, I think they're all great universities, and mm-hmm. I think um, they're they're all going to be you know wherever they end up, or even if they stay where they're at, they're going to be great partners. But I just think from the Big Ten standpoint, uh, UNC and Virginia would probably be my top choices. Bob, does this seem inevitable that we're headed, and maybe you already felt this way before, but especially now of, of the Super Two, as, as you know, the Power Two, as it's been referred to now for the past couple of years, really ever since the Oklahoma and Texas moves, but is this about what you foresaw, or is this maybe even a little bit quicker than you expected? What do you just kind of see amongst the landscape and, and where we're heading at the moment? I think, you know, I expected this to happen, but I expected it to happen. I mean, I expect this kind of the super conference to come about in 2030, 2031, you know, around the time where there's a number of TV rights deals all expiring at the same time. So you have some, you know, you're not walking away or you're not having to cover deals that have five years to run on. I mean, the, the, the new Big 12 deal hasn't even started yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's got, yeah. got another year before it even starts. So, I think that in 2030, 2031, something like that, you could have some movement. And that's what I expected. And I, 
here, here's the problem. You, you, you've gone through realignment that, that made conferences grow. Well, now what you have to do is go through another round that makes the matchups better. Because if, if you want TV to pay more, you're going to have to have better matchups. And you, you guys saw it this year, this year. There were certain weeks where there wasn't great games. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there wasn't great games that you would have if you were playing 10 conference games and you were in a conference that had the top 42 brands. You just didn't see that. And so the, the natural progression is to some sort of a super conference that goes above and beyond what currently exists. And I think that, you know, what Chip Kelly's been talking about has some, some serious merit to it in that everything, you know, their conferences still exist and certain members of the conference don't play in that top division, but all the other sports, you know, go back to kind of the regionality that they used to, and, or maybe it's done with football and basketball and everything else stays the way it is. But I think it's the only, it's, it's really the, only conceivable next step is to create something that provides constantly good matchups and that you can run a NFL TV model against and you have a Saturday ticket instead of a Sunday ticket and yeah. every game is always produced and every game's out there and you've got a game from noon till 1030 Eastern every Saturday and there's Friday night games and there's, you know, there are games everywhere and the games are better. And that's, that's the next kind of key is how do you avoid the kind of the bad matchups and the, and the slaughter games that you, you just don't want to have on TV because people, there's so many out there. People just change something up. Like Rutgers against Oregon with all due respect to Rutgers or games like that, that are kind of hard to comprehend anyway. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. And you know, every conference has, some schools that, you know, they're just not necessarily cut out to be football powers. And that's fine. And not everybody has to compete at that level. But for years, they've kind of just ridden along. And you're going to end up with one of two things. You, you see, like, what's happening in the ACC, where you have them looking to try and get a kind of unequal revenue sharing. They're asking, you know, we want a higher percentage, FSU said that in the ACC because we're bringing the eyeballs and we're bringing the money. Why should Georgia Tech, um, you know, get paid the same amount as we do? Now, then that creates, you know, that, that creates a whole different level of issues because then you've got ADs politicking TV to be carried because the more games you get carried, you get, um, you get a higher percentage of the revenues. And that, that, they used to do that in the Pac-12 and it was a disaster. So um, the, the, the only way is to kind of get into a conference with like-minded programs and, and programs that have the same appeal that, that the, all the major brands do and then pay them certain level. And then everybody else plays at, the, you know, a division slightly lower, but it'll still have value. And people, I mean, it's like people go to division two games and, and, you know, all the different, playoff games that the the smaller colleges have, people still show up and people will still show up. It's not the end for college football if you're not in a power five conference. Do you miss right now, would you love, I, I started that wrong. 
Are you glad you're not in the business right now, or would this be something that you couldn't wait to be a part of? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, it's bad timing, you know, right before Christmas. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's probably, what I'm saying. Probably going to ruin a bunch of people's holidays would be my guess. But, uh, yeah, you know, this is, this is what, you know, it's part of the fun of the business. And um, this is the, you know, if you're in the TV business, it's kind of you live for these moments because you're sitting here thinking, okay, what should it be? what do we want it to be and you know what, what's the best way to get there and that's that's the tough part because you know this is this is people's lives involved in this stuff and um I, i'm sure that the conference and everybody at fsu and and everyone in the tv world has uh, a lot of thinking that's going to be done over the next few weeks depending on you know what the board of trustees ultimately decides to do tomorrow we talked to you a lot, uh, obviously, uh, you know, last year about the Pac-12, and we know how all of that ended, and and uh, there's still, you know, things being sorted out with Oregon State and Washington State. I mean, they're looking as of today with the the most recent report about, you know, being in three different conferences all at the same time for their various sports. But, Bob, I see a lot of mention when it comes to, well, they should be in the Big 12, or the Big 12 should want them, or the ACC. And, you know, in particular with the Big 12, the, they could have the network is there a network to even be had at this point? How would that even work? I just see that mentioned often, and it confuses me a little bit. Um, the network is, is, for all intents and purposes, going to be done here at the end of the school year. The, the um, agreements with the distributors all expire um, with the TV rights deal uh, at, the, at the end of the spring championship season, so... And, and my understanding is that they're, they're nosing around about, you know, anybody interested in buying some equipment. Okay. So um, it's, it's going to go away. And I can't imagine that the, the network will, will live on. Now, certainly some of the assets of the network that reside in the schools will probably uh, be available. And, and what OSU and WSU have, I'm sure they'll keep. And so that, that would help them produce certain events. I think what they've put together as far as the three conferences is, there, is the best opportunity for them while they kind of sort through what's left of the pack 12 and figure out what the, what the uh, assets are and, and what the liabilities are, because there's, you know, significant liabilities floating around uh, with the different NIL um, lawsuits and uh, employee lawsuits, some uh, things like that that have to be dealt with. And you can't you know, take all the uh, assets without <laughs> worrying about what the liabilities are going to be. But I think for them, they're going to be all right, especially if there's another round. And, and it, you know, if this FSU thing could trigger another round. And so for them to stay somewhat flexible and vigilant, I think would be very prudent for OSU and WSU because, you know, there may be a spot for them sooner rather than later, uh, it, depending on what happens with the with the ACC. Last question, and I, I get confused sometimes. Diamond Sports Group, Bally Sports, I saw a note the other day that they're going to pay like 11 teams in baseball, but not an entire, uh, I guess, amount of money that they owe the Rangers, to the world champion Rangers. What's going on there since the last time we spoke with you? It's been a couple of months. Is that kind of going uh, as you thought with this being a mess on who gets – a regional network and who doesn't, who gets paid, who doesn't? Well, 
it's, it's, it seems to be coming to a conclusion. I think that the NHL and the NBA have agreed to a deal through this season and, and, and we're probably getting paid somewhat a little bit less than what the contractual obligations are. And then at the end of the year, Diamond would, those rights would revert from Diamond or Bally's, whatever you want to call it, back to the leagues and the leagues would, you know, figure out what to do with them. Um, the baseball are working on a deal with them as well. They're not sure on the number of baseball teams at this point, but for the NBA and NHL, it seems to be set. And it, it appears as though what Diamond's probably doing is they give all the rights back. They're getting out from under some contracts that probably have a number of years to run. And then I, my expectation is they'll, they'll go back in and bid on the ones that they want, you know, the larger markets that they think would, could continue to provide uh, the good possibility of success in the future. So I think some teams would be, be on the outside, you know, looking in, but there would certainly be um, some of the teams that would, you know, end up with some reconstituted, you know, regional network uh, for their games. But I can't, it's too, it's hard to say right now just exactly who that would be, but you got to get through this year. And I think if they can agree with the three leagues to not have any disruption for this season and pay some guaranteed percentage of the total rights due, that's the best outcome for everybody because, you know, just walking away from deals that that's no good because then you've got teams that are have serious financial financial problems last time or i guess you know when we we're talking to you i guess the pretty regularly bob for a while there i mean sports rights fees left and right big money big money big money streamers gobbling up everything left and right um, and there's a lot that's changed in the TV landscape since then. A lot of mergers, a lot of talked about mergers, a lot of money drying up. And towards the tail end, when we were talking about the pack, you were you you were mentioning like, hey, like there's there's the NBA coming up, there's the UFC coming up. Like there's only so much money to go around, and we know how that ultimately worked. But just how drastically different is the big bonanza of sports rights fees and what's being paid and the money going around right now versus maybe what we saw even just a year ago. Yes, it's changed. I mean, you could sort of see the handwriting on the wall with all the cord cutting, and that's continued. And it, you know, there's a lot of people who believe it'll kind of settle down around 45, 50 million homes, and that's also probably about the time that ESPN goes goes to market with a direct to consumer product. But there's been a lot of kind of re reassessment as it relates to sports rights, and a couple of things you're seeing. Uh, the, the, the premium properties are still getting decent increases. The other, you know, maybe the next level down is not getting, you know, quite the percentage increases that they would have gotten in the past. I think the, you know, the NBA is the next one coming up. NASCAR just got done. They got a, they got a decent increase. Obviously the NFL was done not too long ago and they got a great increase, had very good timing because kind of before everything hit the fan, they, they were able to get their deal done. So then you got NHL coming up pretty soon in a couple of years. And then um, CFP, that's the big one that's hanging out there right now. Uh, UFC hanging out there right now. And so it's going to be interesting to see what the the makeup of the deals are. I, I really think where in the past you used to have some level of exclusivity, I think you're going to find that games are on multiple places um, because – you don't want to, 
you know, maybe you don't want as many games because you don't want to pay that much. Um, so you buy a partial package and then you maybe you share that another package with somebody else. And you, for instance, you look at the NASCAR, you've got the CW in it. You've got, um, there's like four people in it. You can see Amazon might be in it. Uh, help me out here. Fox and NBC are all, you know, four, four different outlets. Uh, for one property and you know you have a certain period that's you yours exclusively but someone else carries a different part of the season so you're going to see more of that uh, i think every deal is going to have a streaming element and we're pretty much seeing that already um you, you need to have as, as i kind of said all along you need to have you need to dip your toe in it i don't think you go 100 percent at this point um you look at the ratings on broadcast and and, and cable the, the ratings is are still great. I mean, even though the the number of subscribers has dropped like crazy, the, the ratings are still staying high, which tells you that, you know, most sports fans haven't dropped the bundle and are continuing to subscribe to either a satellite product or a internet product or a, uh, you know, linear cable type product that, that provides some bundled package of services because that's where all the sports are still. I mean, there's, Every once in a while, you're going to get a game that, you know, like last week where we had Arizona and uh, Purdue on Peacock. Yep. Oh, boy. Here in Arizona, you thought that was the end of the world. <laughs> um, it was a great game, too. But you're going to have that, and, and, and games are going to bleed over. And that's that's what they have to do because they've got to grow those businesses because, the you know, Wall Street, it was all about subscribers for those streaming services. Well, now it's about when you're going to quit losing so much money. And so they're trying to, you know, make that transition, which is tough. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it, it was bad going from over the air to cable, going from over the air and cable to streaming, the, the financial implications are huge and they've got to kind of get those businesses to a point where they're not uh, bleeding quite the level that they have been. All right. I know you need to go practice your swing uh, you'll be proud of me. You know, I'm not technologically very good, but I even learned how to use YouTube TV, Bob. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> I needed help to get it set up, but I, I tell you what, it's kind of interested in me a little bit. I pay a little bit more right now with that plus cable, but I, I'm learning right. on the fly how to kind of find the different ways to, to watch as I want to watch it, almost like my own little menu. Yeah, and somebody's going to make a lot of money if they figure out how to, you know, create some platform where everything is all in one place. Mm -hmm. So whatever you subscribe to is, you know, you have your own, your, your own specific channel line just for everything you own. And I know some people and some of the cable companies are, are, are working on that type of a thing. And the sooner the better, because when you're flipping from platform to platform, you know, say from cable to, you know, something that's being streamed, it's not, it's just not as elegant as just hitting two buttons and, you know, you go from ESPN to Fox. Right. It's just, it's not, it's, just, it's a little clunky. So yep. they'll, they'll get it figured out. Bob, thank you as always, man. I, I we really all Craig, me, all of us, uh, the, the, the people who watch the show, listen to it, the segments, when we put them back up, love the insight and the information you bring to it. You've been right there in the middle of those negotiations, contracts, grant of rights, et cetera. It's always great to have you on the show. My pleasure, guys, and uh, happy uh, holidays to, huh? to the three of you and all of your uh, 
viewers and Thank listeners. You too. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Bob Thompson, former Fox Sports CEO executive with us, is one of the go-tos that we had, and we needed it back when we first heard about Texas and Oklahoma, the SEC, and, and much more. Yeah, you uh, you found him pretty early on, I yeah. guess, through Twitter, and I know a lot of other people have picked up on on Bob's insight as well, and um, that's great uh, that he's you know able to give us that uh, point of view that not a lot of people have experience or knowledge uh, with because we're not all TV execs who have been in these big types of meetings and negotiations and things like that, but uh, he was very helpful in steering through a lot of that Pac-12 mess and uh, what became of that, and now I'd imagine we're going to be talking to him a bit more regularly again uh, with whatever happens here. Um, unfortunately, tomorrow, I don't think we're going to, you know, I guess, I don't, I don't know when that's going to be going Well, there still the may not be an actual public yeah, decision. Right. They can so, discuss what they're talking about I mean, tomorrow. That's the next big shoe to drop now in terms of all of this that we're talking about. Like, well, hey, could this happen? Could that happen? Could this happen? Well, it all depends on what happens tomorrow, first of all. Right. And so I, I hope that while we're on the air that there's a – a decision of some sort made uh, for Florida State to have a, a clear path forward. Uh, but if not, we'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, on the back end of Christmas break. So, yeah, yeah it's only uh, getting ramped back up now at this point. Well, I saw Pat Forty, who put out a tweet, thank you, Florida State, for this latest, uh, I guess, salvo well, I just started my vacation for the holidays that, in Peru. That's what I was saying. Is like it happened right before everybody breaks yeah. for Christmas. I just wish we would have come back and like you could have gone in the new year with all of this. But now it's it's going to be you know I'm sure for uh, the Christmas table in Tallahassee and Chapel Hill and various other places it's going to be all of the rage. It might have been regardless, but uh, there's some more gasoline that could be poured on that that fire tomorrow. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Hey, I had somebody that's a big BYU fan reach out to me in a direct message, Eric. You got Mickey, right? No, that's tomorrow. Oh, okay. Eric, who reached out to me and said that there is at least some smoke about the possibility of Gary Bohannon and BYU, former Baylor quarterback who then, of course, was injured, was USF, great teammate, great young man, hell of a leader, has been beaten up a little bit physically, didn't get a chance to play much this year. But uh, th that was interesting. They asked me about what kind of player he would be. I said, I mean, it just depends on how healthy he is. But we'd love to see him get another opportunity uh, and if it fits within the BYU system. Yeah, I think that Gary's a great athlete and a great leader and a great teammate and a really good person from all indications. I say all indications because I don't know him personally on that level, but uh, based on my experiences and just hearing from others who do know him, um, you know, thumbs up across the board, uh, but – he went to USF two years ago after getting beat out by Blake Shapin, which was a very controversial decision by Dave Aranda and the staff that Shapin was the guy. It was a very weird situation there at the end of their Sugar Bowl championship run where, you know, Gary's the guy for most of the year. He gets hurt against Kansas State. Shapin takes over. Shapin leads him to – or leads him, you know, manages them offensively along with a really good defense. That's really what led them, but – uh, is able to keep the boat afloat while Gary was hurt for about a month and was able to win a couple games, including, you know, help win the Big 12 title with the stellar first half. And then he gets hurt and Gary comes back and he's less than 100%. And then he starts the Sugar Bowl and plays, eh. And uh, clearly wasn't fully healthy, but didn't have a great game. But it was okay because that defense was really good and won them that, that Sugar Bowl. Uh, so, you know, he had a hand in a, in a great run, but... Then he left after that decision, and I know the fan base was torn on who the guy should have been. 
And I was wondering, like, what's going to happen if Gary goes off to USF, especially seeing what's happened to Baylor since he left, and he goes and tears it up, but it's been anything but that. I mean, he's been hurt or not really performing all that well, so I don't know, like, what he's still got, you know, as far as juice goes uh, left, but I hope he finds a a great spot for him and and he can kind of get back to where he was a couple years ago and stay healthy. Uh, And if that's at BYU, I know they could certainly, you know, stand to improve uh, offensively for sure, but uh, at yeah, quarterback as well. So, yeah, that'd be a very intriguing option uh, for the Cougars, and i uh, need to dig into that a little bit more if that does happen, but that, that'd be interesting. All right, when we come back, we uh, – well, Garrett, what are you going to do here? Because we have Paul's top let's five. Do, uh, let's do the Dons live into break seven, and then we'll come back with top five. All right, well, let's do this before that. You watched Connolly. No, you did not. The Connolly-Jasper game. No, but I am familiar with Ty Anthony Smith. Okay, Ty Anthony, Ty Anthony Smith, Smith had been committed to uh, A&M and then late last night made a decision um, that he's flipping to Texas. Uh, when I spoke to their head coach to get some prep work for our broadcast for Jasper and Connolly, man, the, they had a bunch of good players at Jasper, but this is something uh, that was interesting as, again, A&M had a nice class, but UT yet another one they plucked off the vine in Ty Anthony Smith of Jasper. Yeah, I mean, Sark's really going to have to screw this thing up at this point. I mean, with the way they're, they're just operating on all cylinders and they're able to just have the perfect timing of being where they are. And maybe if they had finished, you know, with eight and four and made a, you know, respectable bowl game, they still might have pulled Ty Anthony Smith anyways with all the changes going on in College Station. I mean, they're always going to be able to recruit well, but they are really, uh, as a, old compadres say cooking with fish grease right now uh, in Austin and it doesn't seem like there's anything in the way of that you know anytime soon no matter what happens in the semifinal game because just the way they've been recruiting the way all of the college football rules now like feed into a school like that as opposed to schools now that are scrambling around like where's our NIL money going to come from and where's this going to come from and where's they don't have any of those issues in fact all of this just empowers them even more really um so yeah that's a really good get um, and a really good class that's going to be a really nice you know first uh, step into the sec for them and uh man alive they're they're, they're gonna about to start producing a lot more nfl guys too they kind of fell off you know just over the last few years with everything that had not been maybe up to snuff or about average or what have you they had a little bit of a you know, mixed bag when it comes to the NFL. And now you're starting to see where that's about to change in a major way. First rounders are going to be regular once again. And just having deep classes getting drafted are going to be regular occurrences once again. So, yeah, he's he's got it operating on all cylinders. And uh, they're in a really good spot heading into the SEC next year. All right, when we come back, Paul Catalina out today and tomorrow. We will tell you this again. We are on tomorrow live from 8.30 to 11.30 Central Time. Mac Rhodes, Brett McMurphy, Zach Barnett, Mickey Spagnola, among other guests that we'll have. And then we are going to replay the show in the afternoon during our regular time. Mac will be in studio with us tomorrow. And then all of next week, we're off. Everybody gets to go do whatever they want to do. Uh, all of next week, and then also on Monday the 1st with all the bowl games going on. We'll be back on the air again live on January 2nd. If there is anything that is earth-shattering enough for us to jump in live, we will do that. Uh, I'll be around town, and we'll do that if, in fact, that happens. I doubt it will, but you never know based on, again, what might uh, might happen with Florida State. Florida State has also got to be very careful 
They may get this and win this, and then what happens? Are they going to be an independent for okay. a year or two? Or yeah. are they positive that they're going to land where they want to land, wherever that pillow or brick wall might be? See, uh, I, I'm just going to cut to the chase. That's typically what I do anyways. It's just how I'm, I'm built. Um, I don't believe for a single solitary second a single word of anybody who says, well, they might not have a landing spot in the SEC. I don't believe that whatsoever. Not a chance that they would just be left out in the cold. Now, could there be a situation where they have to go indie for like a year? Yeah, maybe because of just timing and legalities or something along those lines. What that would be, I, I don't I don't know. Um, could they be in a situation where they'd have to pull like an Oregon State, Washington State for like a year and, and do something along those lines, whether it be independent or some type of an arrangement with a conference? I mean, I guess that's better than 0% chance, sure. But you cannot tell me with a straight face that there would not be a landing spot in either the SEC or the Big Ten for Florida State if they were to make themselves available. I do not believe that whatsoever. I think that that's just kind of part of, like, massaging the story to keep interest and to make make there something be a little bit, well, if... Oh no! What if this doesn't work out? Because I, I mean, do you with me, Garrett? I, I don't no, think for I, a single for, second that they're in danger of not having a spot somewhere. No, they're a hot commodity. I mean, they yeah. are a brand. They're a blue blood. If you have an opportunity to snag them up, they're going to bring consistent revenue to you, no matter what conference you're in. You're getting them. Yeah, the Big Ten. Well, they're not AAU. Give me a freaking break, dude! I don't believe for a single second that would stop you from having your foot firmly in Florida all of a sudden, and all that comes with that, and the geography and everything. So. I know that's a part of the story, and I, that's probably what you have to say right now in some cases, but I don't believe that for a second. I'm not saying yeah. that me. No, I'm not talking to you. I'm just saying that there is yeah. at least that now. Yeah, it was in Wetzel's article is brought up, exactly but I, right. I just don't believe that yeah. for a second, no. All right, when we come back, we'll have uh, Paul's top five tomorrow live, 830 to 11 Central in the morning. Just to let you know one more time, this is 365 Sports. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I say that for Florida State. I say that for a couple schools. There are others that might not be so fortunate no, that if yeah. they were to do that. But Florida well, at State. At least not SEC yeah. Big Ten. Right. North Carolina, yeah. they're going to be fine. Yeah. They're going to have a spot somewhere. All right, we got a break. The the Paul's top five, um, we could go on forever, but we do need to break, and Paul's top five is next. Don Chimador and Coffee Beans in the Townwest Shopping Center off Valley Mills and Richland Drive in Waco, a 48-foot walk-in humidor. Cohiba, Padron, Rocky Patel, Ashton, Macanudo, my father, Romeo and Julieta. I mean, there's just tons of great brands of cigars. It all depends, you know, kind of like what you want, like soft drinks or like tennis shoes. Lots of brands, some like some better than others, and they have everything you could imagine. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, La Fontana, which is a, a smooth cigar, Churchill length or, or smaller. And I just kind of all of a sudden, Carol said, hey, you may like this one. And I do. And they also have the Torpedo Edge if you want it, if that's the like uh, the kind of feel you want to. They have Vita Dreams, a CBD product for when you want to maybe fall asleep a little bit more peacefully, a little more relaxed, and maybe calm your head a little bit. And that is something that I use uh, at times to go to sleep at night. And you don't have any like after effects when you wake up, whether it's in the middle of the night or the next morning. Also, they have CBD products, but also THC called Bad Days for Chronic Pain. I know people who have used it, and they say it works for really, really chronic, very bad pain. Carol, Ashley, and Cheyenne, a great 
place if you're in the Waco area still looking for a Christmas gift. They have gift cards and or go buy a box of cigars for someone that you're getting a gift for that might have brought them up. Townwell Shopping Center, Don Chimodoro and Coffee Beans between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Oh, Richard Carr, Buick, GMC, how lovely are your SUVs? Oh, Richard Carr, Buick, GMC, I love the trucks you have for me. Strong and tough with luxury, room for all my family. Oh, Richard Carr, Buick, GMC, you are the deal. Waco Custom Marketplace 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, 8 to 10 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Pit hams, 12 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Bone-in hams, 18 to 22 pounds for $3.40 per pound. Whole raw turkeys from 12 to 16 pounds for $2.50 a pound. Whole smoked turkeys, that's smoked turkeys at 9 to 12 pounds for $3.75 a pound. And many pit hams, 6 to 8 pounds for $5.99 a pound. And don't forget, they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want, pork, poultry, seafood, and beef. And I bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family. Full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread and cold beer and wine. Tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal. Waco Custom Marketplace and the holiday items, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Three sixty five sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. 
Welcome back. 365 Sports, Paul Catalina and Garrett Ross giving you this very special top five today. And uh, Garrett, I thought we would, since I've talked so much about recruiting in the transfer portal, Mm -hmm. as we're going into the holidays, I think we need to talk about the CFP games and some of those issues. So today we'll talk about Michigan and Bama, and tomorrow we'll talk about Texas and Washington. And I'm at a point, mental health-wise, where I can discuss this without flying into a rage. Uh, it sounds like you're barely there, though. I mean, look, I'm the, look, I'm over the finish line. I'm over the finish line. I'm not completely like I'm still maybe taunting people and yelling. Rightfully so, rightfully <laughs> but, so. But I'm I'm at a point where I've accepted it. I've moved mostly on, and we can talk about these games. It didn't help that I just read an article about Florida State and their future and how this all came to be. But here we go. Uh, Number five, can Jim Harbaugh get over the hump? He has gotten them to this point, but last year got upset by TCU. Everyone was shocked by that. Right. I wasn't so much. I really wasn't. Um, I wasn't shocked by anything that happened in last year's two CFP games. I wasn't shocked that TCU beat Michigan. I was shocked that they controlled the game for as long as they did. Um, but I was not shocked that they won that game because I do think that the big 10 sometimes, um, does not have throughout their schedule, the kind of speed and athleticism. We'll talk about that in a second, that some of the other leagues do. And that includes the big 12. Um, and they're not used to that. And they're not used to seeing those things, especially when you get some of the schedules that they've had, uh, that will change in the modern big, big 10. But can Jim Harbaugh go toe to toe? With an SEC foe, with a classic dynastic team in Alabama, and maybe not even Alabama's best playoff team. Oh, it's but not still, their best. But go toe to toe with these SEC athletes and outmuscle them. That's going to be the question. Um, I I'm going to say no, he can't. Um, I, I'm not not necessarily saying he can't for the future. But in this instance, no, he can't. I, I think that while Michigan is a really good team, I think their deficiencies at the skill player positions, mainly on defense and their secondary, is something that's going to be exposed by Alabama. Um, I think in the trenches, they can hang for the most part. But at the end of the day, once it gets into the fourth quarter, about that mid-second half of that fourth quarter, I think you see Alabama kind of start leaning on them. They have the, the, the pieces in place. They have the skill set, like your running back, obviously with Corum and J.J. McCarthy. They, they have the offensive. But I think on the defensive side, particularly that secondary, I think that's going to be what kind of hinders them in this game and why I don't think Harbaugh gets over the hill this year. Yeah. Number four, is Michigan healthy enough along the offensive line? They had problems uh, late in the year with the offensive line, which was the strength of their team, and lost Zach Zinter at the end of the year, too, who is one of their best offensive linemen and a, and a guy who's going to be an NFL player uh, this year, but he he's out. I mean, he they're, they're not going to have Zach Zinter for this game. Uh, Alabama is still good on defense. Mm-hmm. They're not classic Alabama, like, overwhelming on defense, but they're still really good and really efficient Uh, on that side of the ball, outside of the penalties for the most part. Another thing that we will talk about in a second, but is Michigan healthy enough on the offensive line to do what they've done? JJ McCarthy threw one touchdown pass in the last four games because he didn't have to do any of that, but he's going to have to throw the ball more. They're going to have to protect him more. They cannot just expect to win this game with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. They're going to have to do that. And they're going to have to protect the quarterback. Can they do it with 
I mean, Dallas Turner and those guys coming at you all night long. I mean, I would love to say yes, because when you look at Michigan, I believe they won the Joe Moore Award last year for the best uh, offensive line in the nation. They're always in the mix, right? So when mm-hmm. they see it, when when you look at Michigan, in my eyes, and they have an offensive lineman go down, I feel confident that they can have somebody step in mm-hmm. and kind of fill that void. While there's going to be a step back, I think they can they can handle that situation better than most teams. But that being said, looking at how Alabama – handled up and matched Georgia in the trenches in the SEC championship game, I think it's going to be more difficult than expected this time out in this matchup. Yeah. All right. Now, I know that these um, have been mostly Michigan questions, and I do have a couple of Bama ones here. One, can Michigan contain Milrow on the run? And can Bama get him out of the run, uh, not only called plays, but how how many improvised plays can they have? Because – where I think Jalen Milrow has gotten people is not necessarily on their called quarterback runs, which he, you know, those can work out great for them. I mean, I, you know, you saw in the LSU game, they had two like straight up called Milrow yeah. runs that wound up in touchdowns. Those were like straight up. And the, but they also got a couple first downs in that game that were, Oh, I'm just going to run. Yeah. And that's where he gets you. Like, that's how he got Auburn. Like that. Those are the things, you know, um, can you get the best improviser at quarterback in the country right now because like Michael Penix is great and and Quinn Ewers is really good and he's on his way up and JJ McCarthy is a really steady dude but in these in these playoffs the only person I think that if he would have been healthy that improvises like Jalen Milrow honestly if any of the playoff eligible teams or maybe it's two, is Bo Nix and Jordan Travis. And, of course, Jordan Travis is hurt, and that's why they're not in the playoff. And then, well, that and other reasons, but uh, but Bo Nix. Like, right. those are the improvisational guys. Quinn Ewers is not an improviser. No, like, not at all. He's really skilled. You know, Michael Penix may be a little bit more, but, again, those guys are more classic quarterback types. And Jalen Milrow is, uh, he's jazz, baby. Like, you know, it's the notes you don't hear from Jalen Milrow, right, that – that make him really good. So can Bama get him out on that? And if they do, can Michigan, um, a- after a couple times, figure out how to how to defend it and how to make sure that you have some like on those third and longs that he just runs and picks up? Uh, do you have somebody out there that's going to spy on him and make sure that he is just take off and run? Because there are routes that Jalen Milrow just does not throw well. So those almost you don't have to worry about. Yeah, I'd more worry about like I want one of these linebackers to be right here or a safety up in the box that can that can come and get him. Um, I think that's one. I think that's really going to be the difference in this game because I don't think Michigan is able to compete and hang with Jalen Milrow doing that. I think that's what's kind of been the difference in Alabama getting to where they are right now is just kind of cutting him loose, letting him improvise and play his own ball. Uh, that's what makes them really unique. I don't. I'm, I'm concerned that Michigan is not going to be able to do that. Um, you, you bring up a good point. Like his throwing is inconsistent. That was, that's what makes him special. But given this circumstance, I don't know that Michigan can contain him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Number two, can Bama be less sloppy? This is why people talk about them not being yeah. the classic Bama team, because they are kind of a wreck at times. They are a hot mess. If you, you know, that like whatever they are, like it's worked out for them. It's worked out for them. They found a way through it in every game but Texas. But they commit way more penalties than most saving teams do. They do way more, like, just dumb stuff that is not 
indicative of a Saban team. A lot of that has to do with inexperience. Mm-hmm. Um, and But at this point in the year, this is going to be their 14th game. It shouldn't be that way, and it probably will be. And I think that's what's going to keep Michigan tight in this game. And that's what keeps most teams tight with Bama is that they don't roll along well enough without committing a mistake that ki- that's a drive killer. Yeah. A false, like two false starts on a drive. I think false starts are worse than holding penalties. You get a holding penalty, yeah, it sucks, but. I mean, there's holding on every play, yeah, though, so I would agree with that. But if you get a fa- false starts are drive killers. Yeah. It just, you know, it takes your third and two to a third and seven. You know, you've got to now adjust on the fly. You know, if you're playing a good defense like Michigan, like you've now just played into their hands, that if Bama loses this game, I can almost promise you right now, what happened is that they could not get out of their own way. I would agree with that. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's any way they could tighten it up. I, I think <laughs> that you try to put a point of emphasis on it during this, this extended period before you, that you have practicing. But at this point in the season, man, like this is who you are, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's no way if it would, if it could have been fixed at, by this point in the season, Saban would have fixed it. Mm-hmm. I think you just kind of, they're lucky enough to be one of the very few programs in the nation whose athleticism can overcome the mistakes. Uh, and they're going to have to bank on that happening again against the Wolverines. Yeah, they are. And number one, can Michigan handle the SEC athleticism that they're going to see? They have only seen this once, kind of, this year when they played against Ohio State. Correct. And Ohio State pushed them to the brink. So when you are faced, and look, maybe twice, Penn State, that game was not a blowout. Like, that was just a dominant defensive performance. And they just ran the ball all over Penn State. They didn't even have to throw against them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they didn't have to, like, but those are the two teams that had, like, if some of their guys went in the portal, SEC teams would call, right? Yes. Those are the two teams that that would that would be the case. Like, if the whole, like, if the whole Ohio State roster and the whole Penn State roster decided tomorrow, screw it, we're leaving, and they got in the portal, believe me, Bama and Georgia would be called. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So those are the teams that, that would do that. And those are the two teams that pushed Michigan the most this year. Um, and Michigan's defense is excellent. It is absolutely excellent. There's no, there's no denying that, but they have not like, they have not had to see this at all. And they've not had to see, like Jermaine Burton is not even the 10th best Alabama wide receiver that has been in the last four years. No, not even close, but he's, the second best receiver they would have seen this year. No, and, I, yeah, go ahead. And, and like, and that that's not to mention uh, Bond. Like that dude is just he's a like, freak. Yeah, and he, Bond is the dude that um, he's the one who, when it all breaks down with Milrow, that Bond's the one who like he's they find a hole. They have this like mind meld where it's like, all right, like I'll find you. you know, he was the one in Auburn. You know, I've heard. I've heard Brad Nesser go Isaiah Bond like eight <laughs> times this year, <laughs> you know, and those are the things. And I wonder if Michigan can handle that. I think that they're they're better set up to than they were in the past, but they have not seen it, and they have not seen it to the level that Alabama is going to bring it to them. Especially since 
the quarterback position is going to be part of that athleticism, which they did not see in Kyle McCord or Drew Aller early this year. Jalen Milrow does things like we talked about just a second ago that those other guys just don't do. Yeah, I think that's ultimately what this is going to come down to. I don't think uh, Michigan can match Bama's athleticism. I think if, if you bring up a good point because, like, we played Marvin, Marvin Harrison, but I don't even think Emeka Ekeba played in that game. So you haven't seen, like, multiple receivers on the field. Uh, Talia Tungavalolo has been the closest quarterback that you can mm-hmm. draw up that you've seen compared to Jalen Milrow, and that's not even close. No. Not even remotely close. Um, and I also think that that's kind of what they ran into last year when they faced TCU. TCU was freaking loaded. Yeah. Like, with at the skill positions, and that's something that Michigan wasn't expecting. I think they are going they, – they've – probably realize that and they're going to continue to try to get the playmakers in through the recruiting and the transfer portal. But at this moment, I don't see them being able to compete with Bama. No. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the top five. We're back again tomorrow with another one. This is 365 sports. That's Paul Catalina and the top five on Alabama and Michigan. We'll of course have another one tomorrow. Want to thank everybody who was a part of what we did today, including those of you in the chat room And, of course, even the text line had a couple of that one text line that was a great question. Uh, Our sponsors who do what they do every day. And, Craig, thank you. A busy day as we woke up to the Florida State News and hope we gave you uh, a lot of different angles and heard from you as well on what might happen, the implications and consequences and more. Yeah, appreciate everybody. And I guess we'll have one final show tomorrow before we take a much needed, uh, I think, break for uh, like everybody, the Christmas holidays. But uh, one more time, we're going to be live tomorrow morning. Are we got a super chat all of a sudden here at the end? Yeah, Katie Raider, thank you. Bob is a rock star interview. Yes, he is. Bob yes. Thompson, Merry Christmas. Katie Raider, thanks for the super chat. Yeah, and I think I got a DM from you, Katie, that I haven't looked at just yet. So I'll, I'll go back and look at that. I apologize. I'm, I haven't been on Twitter a ton uh, here in recent weeks, but uh, I'll get to that. And uh, yeah, we'll be here. I guess you probably need to remind everybody tomorrow morning uh, live, and then we'll have a replay in the afternoon. So tomorrow, yeah, we'll be live uh, a lot differently than others. And one of the reasons is Mac Rhodes will be live with us in studio at 10. First time he's spoken since the decision about Dave Aranda and his staff, but also we're like a week away, right? A week and a half away from the pavilion, the Foster Pavilion, the basketball arena opening up. In fact, uh, Baylor's about to close out the Ferrell Center with that game coming up against Mississippi Valley State. Well, I'll also say that um, I don't know if there was any AD who spoke as much as openly about expansion and realignment over the last year as Mac Rhodes did. I mean, there was others that talked about it, but he was – pretty much the one putting out the message the Big 12 was open for business along with Brett Yormark and letting it be known that whatever was going on before any moves were actually officially made that the Big 12 was going to be ready and waiting and so I'm interested to hear his thoughts not that he'll probably reveal too much but interested to hear what he thinks of all that's going on with Florida State and just the ramifications of of that and amongst other topics in college sports right now so yeah that ought to be interesting. Kyle Visser I think while you guys are out next week let Kim Coulter and I, and maybe a few hey. other substitutes take over the show. I, that would be fun. That would be fun. I'd love to see it happen. Garrett, great stuff today. We've been in and out of so many stories. Thanks to uh, Devin Gardner, Tim Younger, and also Daquan Finn for being a part of the show and setting that up with us again tomorrow, 8.30 to 11.30 Central in the morning. So you need to get your you-know-what up and be a part of the show tomorrow. I'm David Smoke for Craig and Garrett. And for all of our sponsors, good night. This is 365 Sports.